Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode of Film Sack is brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience. One night at a time. Get $50 off select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash filmsack and use the promo code filmsack at checkout. Okay, now that it's recording now. And so now uh, I hit a button that says we start. I am Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, your senior drill instructor. From now on, you will speak only when spoken to. And the first and last words out of your filthy sewers will be, sir. Do you maggots understand that? Sir, yes, sir. Bullshit, I can't hear you. Sound off like you got a pair. Sir, yes, sir. Seven, six, two millimeter. This is Film Sack. Sure. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Film Sack. This is Film Sack, mining the very depths of film entertainment for all mankind, episode 385. I'm Scott Johnson, joined today by Brian Animal Mother Dunaway. Animal mo- Mother or Lover? What did you say? Mother. Animal oh, Mother. okay. That's the name of oh, the Adam hi. Baldwin guy's name is Animal Mother, and so you're Animal Mother. <laughs> Oh, hi. Movie Sergeant Dunaway here, your senior sack instructor. From now on, you will speak only when spoken to, and the first and last words out of your filthy mouth holes will be, huh? Do you basic grubs understand that? Huh? Yes. Exactly. Okay. You guys don't play along. Also, <laughs> I can't hear you. Yes, sir. Yes, off yes, like, huh. yes, sir. Huh? Huh, sir? Huh? Huh? What? <laughs> Sound off like you watched this week's movie and enjoyed it. Johnson. Yeah. Your new name is Grossman because you think stuff's gross. Good job. <laughs> Ibbit. I'm going to call yep. you. I'm going to call you Boris because you do oh, a yes, really. Man. Yeah. Yes. Huh? Because you do a really funny Russian accent and also because you are a little squirrely. Uh, like <laughs> like moose and squirrel. Say the thing. <laughs> Too much hassle. Thank you. Sir. Jordan. Huh. Yes. Huh. <laughs> Jordan, you are. Oh yes, huh? Jordan, you will now answer to dicks because that one time you made me laugh when you said something about a bag of dicks. Now, now chuck yourself. That's it. Ah, uh, yeah. 
Dix, tell us about your job this week. <laughs> Dix. This is an odd. Oh, I see. See, so you're supposed to move on to me now. Right, right. I get it. It's ending. It's All, ending now. Also with us, Randy, Private Cowboy Jordan. Aloha, Scott, Brian, Brian. My name Dix. is Gunnery Sergeant Softman, and for the next 15 weeks, you belong to yourselves. But I'm going to offer you leadership and training that has been created by the new postmodern Marine Corps, and you are going to come out the other side a changed person. Joining me will be Sergeant Anthony, who will offer suggestions on how you can make the most of KP. Sergeant Tan, who will show you how to make your uniform really pop. Sergeant Caramo, who will teach you things you need to know in order to survive in enemy territories during a holiday shopping spree. Sergeant Bobby, who created this fabulous obstacle course for us all. And of course, your favorite, Sergeant Jonathan. He is so funny. He's going to keep you laughing until we graduate you and get you out of here. And then you might choose to become a killing machine, but not here. There will be no killing here, mm. please. Mm. There will be respect and growth, but no killing. Yeah. You kill later while we all sit around and watch you on a television. Cheers, boys. Mm. No bathroom killing, please out here or in here. Oh, that was so oh, that was so impactful. Oh, we'll talk oh, about that in a minute. Also with us, Brian 8-Ball Ibbett. I guess it's going to be a hat trick here. Mm. Well, what do we have here? A bunch of new film sack recruits. What's your name, Private? Johnson. What kind of name is Johnson? You look like you couldn't find the front door of a hotel, so I'm going to call you Private Entrance. Do you like that name, (laughs) Private Entrance? (laughs) Yes, sir. Good. All right. Now, who's this next to you? Deluxe. That's not a name. That's a whopper superlative. You look like someone that would go to a business seminar or conference to make new connections to improve your business growth in the marketplace. I'm going to call you Private Network. Oh, did I say something funny, Private Network? You look like you're going to laugh. You look like you're virtually about to laugh. I'm going to call you Virtual. Virtual Private Network. What do you think of that? (laughs) And you on the end, what does your mama call you? Done away, you're just a little guy. You remind me of the tiny little key in the bottom right corner of my computer keyboard. What's that key called? Function. I'm going to call you Private Function. Now, where did everyone go? Hold down the fort, Private Function, while I try and locate Private Entrance. I love it. Good stuff. You can just roll right into, like, Abbott and Costello if you just take it from here. (laughs) Private who? Yeah. I love it. That was really good. That was fun. I well, we've uh, uh, Lee Ermy. If you can hear us from uh, from Sergeant Heaven, we hope we did uh, <laughs> yeah. did you did you proper here on the uh, the film sack show. The movie is Full Metal Jacket, and I have got Scott Fletcher proof. Full Metal Jacket. A pragmatic U.S. Marine observes the dehumanizing effects the Vietnam War has on his fellow recruits, from the brutal boot camp training to the bloody street fighting of Hue. Basically, two movies. Is what you get here with the Full Metal Jacket. That's the whole. Mm-hmm. I think that's the that's the hidden meaning of the title. It's uh, you get the full Monty. It's the both pieces. It's uh, two pieces of bread. Right. You get the training and the what's it like to be uh, in the in the army when you go to basic training and all that. And then what's it like when you get out there in the field and do the fighting and the whatnot. And I think that's what? fine, but I don't like the second half at all. I'm, yeah, uh, I think I, it sucks. I, I realized I've watched the first half of this movie about five times mm-hmm. in my life, and mm-hmm. I've never seen the second half. Whoa. Oh, no way, really? Weird. 
And I actually, I actually thought a lot better about the movie before watching the second half, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. I, I, I'm. We're going to talk a lot about like Kubrick's amazing auteur abilities, but the second half doesn't need to exist. It's not like, it turns out it's not really a story. It doesn't, you know, it just it paints a picture really well. But the first half of the film is a film, like a whole story with development and purpose and so on. And I don't Mm. know what the second half is supposed to do except make me hate it. Well, yeah, there's no, I mean, I like, I think I like the second half more than it sounds like you guys do. I still like the first half way more. But the problem is, is that the, um, you would think that there would be some sort of connection between the first half and the second half other than, all right, Private Joker's now moved on to this. It doesn't seem like the whole interaction with Private Pile, that whole thing has affected him in a way that he, like, bring, that, like it comes back up later on. And I'm not talking about, right. like, traditional Hollywood tropey coming back up. Like, he he has a, a, a sweaty flashback uh, uh Mm. moment where he's frozen you know mm-hmm. he's about to get right, shot or something right. and he freezes and he thinks about private pile and somebody has to come in and save him right but but some sort of like yeah this is the lesson that i learned from that moment and i'm using right. it here later there, on there is one thing mm. there, there's definitely one thing that fits that and that is that private joker when everyone in the barracks tries to get private pile to wash himself out by beating on him in the middle of the night Mm-hmm. Private Joker has a moment where he has to figure out whether or not he's really participating in trying to give Pyle the beating. Yeah. Sure. And he, you, you see Modine act, and it's really good. And then at the end of the film, he goes through the exact same acting to figure out whether or not he wants to finish off the sniper who is lying there wounded mm. on the floor. Right. And it's the it's it's intended to call back to that and make you realize the futility of it all, right? Like they didn't manage to get Pyle to wash himself out of uh, of a boot camp. Instead, they actually had the reverse, like they had the worst possible outcome from trying to beat him up. Mm-hmm. And you know, like so now at the end of the film you're supposed to at, at least think ab- about that and realize, oh wow, how futile is this, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think it's on purpose and I think that you're probably right. It's supposed to be kind of a a, a bookend for him to to say mm-hmm. that these two these two examples were just these futile things. It's also just part of the art of the movie in general, which I appreciate, which is just this is hideous. This is how hideous things end. Now let's move on to another hideous chapter where hideous things happen. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and that's the idea of it. And this movie is singular, singularly responsible singular. for my complete and utter fear of military when I was a teenager. When I saw this movie, it made me go, please never get me drafted. Like I remember <laughs> I remember when uh, like the the Gulf War, the first Gulf War rolled around and I would have been prime age. I would have been like 20 or something. And they I, all I could think of was, oh, my gosh, no, don't please. No, no. I, so I, I freaked out so, about it. And it was all back to Kubrick's freaking full metal jacket movie is all I could think so, about. Forgive me. My memory is that the first Gulf War. Yeah, was 90 uh, January 91. Do I have that right at all? Yeah, no, that's right. It was early that's, 91. That's right. Yeah. I would have been 20. Or I may have been 21. Yeah, I okay. guess that's right. So so. Whatever. We all had a we all we're all of an age where we had a very interesting experience in life. The the US military f- 
finally went way, way, way too far in Vietnam. And we all grew up and we were teenage boys watching it via entertainment 10 and 15 and 20 years later. And I remember thinking a lot about the military as I was 16 and 17 and turning 18 because it was just something that you did. Like, I remember watching every episode of China Beach when it was on TV, mm -hmm. and that had an impact on me. And by the way, China Beach, for me, precedes Full Metal Jacket, and I realized they're actually of the same everything, right? They're mm -hmm. of the same mm -hmm. time and everything. They even use the same music, right? Yeah. The the song at the beginning of Full Metal Jacket, or the oh, end really? of Full Metal Jacket is the, yeah. the theme song, of Paint oh, It Black, the, right? Paint It Black, yeah. But, <laughs> it reminded um, me of, uh, immediately reminded me of Westworld, anyway. Oh, but I was just like, funny. That was the, immediately reminded me of that uh, PlayStation racing game with the the, the clown that uh, drove an ice cream yeah. truck. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, 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 full uh, to, uh, twisted metal. It's metal. Twisted, twisted metal. metal. Yeah, metal it, yes. yeah. yeah, twisted metal jacket. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, twisted I just, metal jacket. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> you brought this up because I like I have I have really strong feelings that aren't very entertaining, but I'm very curious about like, <laughs> for each of for each of you. Do you remember being seventeen and and actually making a decision in your life? Never, what, never know, was. It was never like a oh my gosh, should I go into the military? It always kind of freaked me out. But what freaks me out the most is the first half of the movie, and it's not even about the dark end to the first half of the movie. It's mm -hmm. surrendering your. And we have a lot of listeners in the military, and they can dispel a lot of myths. And 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 I have a lot to say about seeing it now versus seeing it then. But um, sure. I. In my head, this idea of com a complete surrendering of one's identity, of one's freedom to act, one's own will, being mm -hmm. uh, being subordinate to a greater cause, which cause was to put me in harm's way and have me kill other people, like all of that rang so not a thing I wanted in my life ever. Right. And and it really, but, this movie really just about buried me, man. It was hard. It was really hard very, to watch. Very, very necessary uh, to prepare these people to not uh, be individuals because as a fighting machine, uh, you need to be efficient. You need to be able to uh, be okay with death. You got to, you got to dispel a lot of things in order to be efficient no i don't uh, i don't that, doubt that, any of that, that. Does. <clears throat> i don't doubt any of that i feel like i feel like certain roles in our society I don't mean to get too far off base here because but this is a commentary on society this movie is uh i really feel like going into the military is really a calling i don't think it's it's not something that you just take lightly because it is it's, it's a total shift in your brain and how you think and how you have to how you have to function because you're putting yourself into a situation that is not like anything else in the world where you literally have to be an efficient piece uh, mm -hmm. to a right. to a moving machine. So yeah, it, you, you become a crank as opposed to uh, a machine right. yourself. You are one cog in a yeah. in a well-oiled, well-tuned machine. Right, sure. which is almost counterintuitive to our independent and individual teachings as citizens of the United States. That's the reason why the duality of this is always uh, interesting to see in this movie. By the way, back to the uh, what we was talking about with the movie being uh, this first half being an actual movie uh, in, its, in itself, and then the second half being, to me, an odd slice of life yeah. of uh, look at yeah. what it was like in Vietnam. And, yeah, the, uh, second, the second half was more a single still picture than anything. Yeah. Obviously, it was a, a series of such, but like 
I can I, I can distill it all down to people uh, halfway around the world where they shouldn't be dying for no good reason. And the main thing that Kubrick did was create a hellscape. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. uh, the almost supernatural, the hellscape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like I'm sorry, I, 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 I hate to go here, but fires don't keep burning indefinitely like that. Like, mm. it was weird right. how every little thing about it was like bad extended as far as bad can go. Sure. You know, and still and still have was, like a veneer of realism. Mm. I, I haven't finished digesting it because I, I have seen this movie myself many times. Growing up in high school, we used a lot of this movie for catchphrases. Uh, a lot of interesting things were said. Uh, Lee Ermey was fantastic with his insults. I don't know if it was all scripted or if he uh, went off script for any of that stuff. A little of both. A lot of that says. stuff was Tri- just, trivia, yeah, trivia so it says was just, it was a little bit of both, but mostly it was scripted. I mean, it was basically his movie because he does almost 90% of the talking. Uh, almost all the dialogue is his in that first uh, in that first yeah, part of the movie. that first yeah. half. It's really yeah, totally it's true. Him. Like, not even and, – and it's like, all right, you understand, like, it's not going to be – the soldiers aren't going to do much talking. There's a little bit, obviously, Matthew Modine with D'Onofrio and stuff. But um, it's almost like a uh, – like a John Hughes movie and the fact that no, you don't see any other adults talking. Right. <laughs> if you, right. If you consider the soldiers to not be adults, they are, but if you consider them to be not adults, Arlie Ermey is our only connection or yeah. is, is our only uh, um, person over the age of, of soldier. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's true. Right. And he was, I don't want to, I don't want to tempt my desire to uh, talk about realism because it, It'll get me in trouble. Uh, I haven't gone through Marine Corps boot camp in the late '60s. Mm. I just, I, I was just blown away at how it was. Like I say, it was. It all seemed so extreme, and I, I realized that we're supposed to be getting an, an extreme look at an extreme situation. Mm. But there were still things about it that I, I kept like, like kept me up at night. Like the, like you talk about uh, Lee Ermey's character is the only one who, who says anything for like the first 10 or 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm pretty sure that if you are in boot camp, you are being yelled at by more than one individual in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm pretty sure if you talk back, there's some other guy who comes up and roughs you up to, you know, shut you up. Like, I, sure. There's not just the one person somehow keeping uh, authority <laughs> over uh, uh, two dozen people. But you, you know what I'm saying? So like those, those thoughts cross your mind, but they're completely blown out of the water by the power of the film. The film just, it just never stops coming at you with more and more. Like you see the obstacle course and you're like, oh, wow. I, I can imagine what that's like, but that looks like I would never be able to do that. No, you know, it's, rel- it's relentless. Thing. It's It's got this relentless quality to it that also was deeply disturbing to me when I first saw it. It's also, now that I've seen it all these years later, and I've seen it a few times in between, but I'm coming at it with a much different mind now. It's more than half my life ago that I saw this and it had that effect on me. I see it now, and... Uh, I can appreciate a lot of things about it, especially the Kubrickness of it. It's very Kubrick. Like there's mm-hmm. these symmetrical shots, especially during the training sequences, where everything reminds me of the of The Shining a little bit. Um, and there's a kind of a coldness to the scenes, and the and this inter and the use of music is very sparse and weird, and and it's very Kubrick. So on the one hand, it's like, all right, well, yeah, what was I thinking? Of course, this is a Stanley Kubrick movie. This feels like one that was part of what was affecting me. And part of what was putting me in the place that, that my head was in at the time, 
but also I was really glad to see it in the you know with a with an older perspective because now I could appreciate the art that it is. Yeah, I think right. that first half is one of the best quote unquote movies yeah. in, in in history. Like it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's really really incredible. The only weak spot for me, and I hate saying this because there's parts where I think he's good, but I think Matthew Modine is, sucks in this. I think he's bad in yeah. this. Yeah, Scott, we've got we've got uh, Dunaway in the wrong channel. Can you drag him back? Oh, up? he must have got um, disconnected. I, I'll do it. I I agree. Actually, like reading, I I read more about this film than I expected to. Like I found myself looking at Modine's book a little bit, like thumbing through it on Amazon, and I found myself. Uh, looking at like there's so much written about this film it's one of those things where uh, everybody wanted to document what their experience making it and also uh kubrick apparently takes years and years to make a movie like he 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 will spend a whole week getting one scene shot and this kind of thing yeah anyway um so reading into it like like i was shocked at how many people claim they either uh were on their way to getting the role of Joker and somehow lost it or uh, really, really wanted the role of Joker mm-hmm. and couldn't... Like, how did they even know is is a big question of mine, but so many people. And I found myself second-guessing Modine in that role mm-hmm. because, I, I, you know, I'm looking at, like, Val Kilmer really wanted the role. Mm-hmm. So much that he punched Modine <laughs> when they met <laughs> each other. and And it's like... Holy shit! Val Kilmer would have been really interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But how is so. it? How is this John Wayne though? I mean, because that was the, the the whole linchpin, right? That was that's what that's what this character had to do was a bad John Wayne impression. Well, not <laughs> that. that not was, that. What do you have? Certainly wasn't his entire job, but I, you, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting point. I mean, look, it could have been anybody. There sounds like a whole bunch of people really wanted it. Bruce Willis wanted this role. A uh, bunch of people wanted it, couldn't do Go it for Vietnam, whatever reason. Have a good how much, <laughs> well, and how much of that do we really believe? I mean, how much of that do we think is is really Val Kilmer punched Modine, or is it just somebody wrote that on on IMDb and said, "Oh, well, let's see if I can get people to believe this." Well, I wrote Look. down. I wrote down. Sounds like a lie, and then that thing about Val Kilmer auditioning for the part and then punching Modine. I yeah. also Modine, wrote down. Well, I wrote, Modine is very punchable, though. I also wrote he down is, this he is one. Punchable. I wrote yeah, down this punchable. one. Says well, also think, sounds like a lie. Ar, Arlie Ermy went to director Stanley Kubrick and asked for the whole. Sorry, asked for the role of Gunnery Sergeant Hartman. In his opinion, <laughs> the actors on the set were not up to snuff. When Kubrick declined, Ermy barked an order at Kubrick to stand up when he was spoken to, and the director instinctively obeyed. Ermy got the role. I think that sounds like so, a lie. Yeah, that, that's that a, does. Yeah. That, and it doesn't jive with other, I think, better sourced uh, biographies that that have mm-hmm. a, a whole story about how Ermi uh, uh, was one of the people who was going for the role, uh, naturally, like actors do, and because of his history actually in the Marine Corps, actually in Vietnam, he was able to prepare uh, you know, a presentation that uh, initially Kubrick didn't really like, but then after Kubrick started working with other actors for the role, he realized that they didn't have any authenticity and like, it's a normal story. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the, the, the Val Kilmer punching Matthew Modine thing, it's, it's not apocryphal because it's in Modine's bi- biography his autobiography. So like, mm. oh, you okay. know, 
why would why would Matthew Modine has an autobiography? Really? Yes, <laughs> most of most of the trivia that you're looking at in IMDb about this movie comes from uh-huh. Matthew Modine's memoir. Oh, interesting. Okay. Weird. All right. All right. Fine. That's odd. I don't. I'm just. I'm just saying. Who's buying a Matthew Modine biography? Is my point. <laughs> like that's weird. He's still here and working and stuff, but nobody looks at him and goes. Hey, Matthew Modine, living legend. How's that biography coming? I mean, Let me tell you about the time I worked on Married to the Mom. That's right. <laughs> or how about the time I was in that movie, that Robert Altman movie, and I didn't wear pants. You guys remember that? He didn't wear pants. Really. <laughs> yeah. Like he, I don't have a whole lot of, of memories of, of him, and I've seen no, him but, recently. But if and, there is going to be something like that, you're going to be the person who remembers that. Specifically yeah. about <laughs> it was the one that Huey Lewis was in. I can't remember the movie, though. Huey Lewis Wait, was tell it. me the first thing that comes to your mind when I say, uh, uh, oh, shoot, I forgot her name. Oh. Julianne Moore. Oh, Julianne Moore, first thing that comes to my mind. Hold on. Um, uh, Actually, the Hannibal movie, sadly, is the first thing that comes to oh, my mind. Oh, yeah. okay, wow, because yeah. I would have thought it was either flying across the ceiling uh, naked in the Big Lebowski splattering paint oh, or, yeah. or walking around bottomless in uh, another Robert Altman movie, uh, Oh, you know what I might be doing? You know what I might be doing? This is hilarious. I think I'm I'm conflating. No, I'm conflating her walking around naked with Matthew Modine. He's married to her in that movie. And I'm thinking it's him with no pants on. But it's her walking around bottomless. Right? Wow. I just just want to answer the question. Paging uh, Mr. Freud. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right. When you when you said the name Julianne Moore, the only thing that popped into my head was her character from Boogie Nights trying to have a some semblance of a legal relationship with her child. Mm. And, and like her, she's she's so perfect in that role as a stressed out coke addict. You know, like mm-hmm. it's just it's it's really amazing how she. How <laughs> she's she great. I like her in everything. She is great. Yeah, yeah, she's nothing wrong with Julianne Lewis or uh, not Lewis. Come on, Julianne Moore. Moore. I know. I can't. Well, that's that's funny because that's what I almost said. I was like Juliet Lewis. No, that's not who I'm talking about. Uh, Julianne, Julianne Phillip. No, not Julianne Phillips. Julianne Moore. Julianne Potato. That was the way my mind works. Nailed it. So Dun- uh, Dunaway, uh, you missed. Well, the question was who could have done better than Matthew Modine in the role of Private Joker? Do you have an answer? No, uh, because uh, <laughs> he, he's perfect. He's Is perfect. He? There's Is nothing he? wrong with the Modine in this in Is... this role. I mean. It, it required a uh, smarmy uh, uh, kind of person, and I think he played it perfect. The narration's the thing- what killed me. I couldn't deal with him when he was reading oh, his writing. It was yeah. bad. Well, and when he's when he's having that interaction initially with um, Baldwin, it right. that felt like script. That felt like, uh, yeah, I can talk the talk. Can you walk the walk? Yeah, it sucked. You know, it, it didn't feel. It felt. It felt stiff, but. But didn't you want to punch him? Wasn't that what we wanted? Well, I think we did want to punch him. I don't think we want to punch him for that reason, but anyway, go ahead a bit. (laughs) To uh, Modine's credit, though, I feel like that role doesn't need a quote-unquote Hollywood star. I mean, this would have been a way more recognizable role for Val Kilmer than than Matthew Modine. We knew a few things that Matthew Modine had done before that. He needs to look like kind of an everyman, which Matthew Modine does. Um, more so than a, you know, handsome yeah, Hollywood Kilmer, hunk. Yeah, Kilmer Val does Kilmer, look like a leading man in his right. 80s movie. Yeah. Val Kilmer at that time was had uh, had way too much ego 
to mm-hmm. play this role. Mm-hmm. I, right. I, I just don't think it would. I could well. see Bruce Willis doing it. Also, I could, Michael Anthony Hall was supposed, or Anthony Michael Hall rather, was supposed to be. No, no, that'd be good. He was supposed that's to be set Bruce, for this, and Bruce short. Willis would have been like ten years too old to play this role. Like he already had the yeah. receding hairline and everything going. In eighty-seven, yeah, yeah. yeah I guess so. Days. I guess so. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that's the, re- the according to this, the reason he didn't do it is the moonlighting schedule was the reason. Yeah. So you're probably right. I, I as far as actor goes, like the kind of portrayal he would have done though, I would have been down with that. You're right about the I think you're right about the age. But Anthony Michael Hall could have been could have been a strong contender here. This would have been on the heels of all his his eighties yeah, stuff, but he was just stuff. starting to yeah. enter into that kind of not hunky, but he the way he looked in Edward Scissorhands, for example, is starting to look like a different mm-hmm. actor. <laughs> right. Uh, he could have I would I don't know, I would think maybe like a C. Thomas Howell or a um trying to think of like the other kind of red dawn outsiders mm-hmm. kind of kind of younger actors from those kind of movies that that somewhat blended into the background yeah because uh, that is what you want in this role you don't want him to feel like he's he's the star or or the individual or that sort of thing i mean i think vincent d'onofrio uh, yeah oh, good oh my god he was so does good. a great job of playing kind of this this kind of dopey creepy yeah. I don't know. Like you see him in those early I, scenes where he's kind of smiling, but he looks kind of punch drunk, dazed mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, he, he definitely uh, kind brilliant. of a mess. Brilliant role. It, really incredible. Like he, everybody on set, uh, and this stuff I I, I believe, but uh, Ermy said I, he's never he's never witnessed anything like that in in either the real army or otherwise somebody who who played that role as well as D'Onofrio did. It, well, mm-hmm. And the, the screenplay really uh, is to his credit because, for, for instance, um, you don't get to the end of that first half and ask the question, how did he get live ammunition into the barracks? Because you've previously asked the question, how did he get a donut into the barracks? Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> so the, it's a very, very conscious, conscious and, and competently written sequence right mm-hmm. and and so you, you like don't have questions you just go along with it and it and it brutalizes you but i have to also say that last part in the bathroom mm. sorry it reminded me too much of the shining and i i kind of lost the thread oh I, really you know what i I'm liked like i like i mean i hated uh, it when i was younger i really liked whole, it now i thought it was all cool. the way up to that moment it all looked like uh, like boot camp to me it all looked realistic and then Suddenly, there in the bathroom, I'm like, "Oh wow, this is Jack Nicholson!" Like, I just, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, uh, Kubrick couldn't help himself and couldn't stick to what right. he had done all the way up to that moment, which is everything super clean and shiny mm. and you know, like well lit and everything. And yeah. suddenly, he's just got like a horror movie angle, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." I, I mean, it was yeah. it was effective, but it wasn't. It, it just wasn't in line with all the rest. Sure, now, I guess I could see that. I don't know. The, I the story we haven't mentioned this and this is probably how they knew you know to audition for private joker or private cowboy that sort of thing it's based on a book called uh, the short timers mm. which is uh, written by a marine corps vet named gustav hasford mm. <clears throat> it's just like the movie you know it's very different sections even written differently um the book is actually three different parts the spirit of the bayonet which is boot camp and and they call it a semi-autobiographical novel and in the book uh, gomer pile does shoot uh the the drill sergeant and himself mm. so i don't know if that was actually part of the autobi like if it was um yeah. if it actually happened or if it was kind of embellished events, i guess I'm events a, like that have happened i mean we've, yeah. we've seen that in the news right oh I mean, sure is that something i'm i'm no no, no. people break I'm i mean people sure break happened. all the time i don't know that they always have lime ammunition with them but 
you know, somebody, uh, the Fort Hood shooting, shooting is a good example of somebody losing it. Um, mm-hmm. Stuff happens where you, you know, you break somebody, which is what freaked me out. I think that's what freaked me out. And the thing is, I relate yeah. to the Joker character. I think that'd be the guy I'd be. I'd do the best I could. Yes. I'd try really hard. I'd still be lanky and skinny, but I'd get over the hill. I'd do it. I'd make it happen. But I, I would be and terrified for be the guy who helps the the guy who can't who's not able to do it. Right. right. Be the guy who kind of steps up. And, and you says, know what right, also scared me about that was I also think I might have been hesitant with the with the with the uh, soap in the sock. But mm-hmm. with that much of a microcosm of peer pressure, I probably would have hit him with the soap just like he did. Yeah. Like yeah, that. But and I hate that. Like uh, Modine. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because it's like he probably could have just gone away with like a couple whacks and then said, "All right, good, right. we're we're all set." But uh, he. Yeah, he let that it ultimately, yeah, yeah. That ultimately ends up being the most impactful thing in the whole film for me. Uh, that when when they first all start getting out of their beds, you realize they're going to attack him, and it's like, why? Oh no! You have all of these sinking bad feelings, mm-hmm. but as you as they keep going and going, you realize, wow, they are really like they are injured by his presence. His mm-hmm. presence is so bad on all of them that they're willing to literally kill him mm-hmm. to make the injury stop. And then uh, you get D'Onofrio's reaction once they all go back to bed. And it's like, wow, yeah. how, did the, how does this even exist? This is the kind of, of filmmaking where it, like every possible emotion is present. Yeah. And it's like... Just just that one scene can be extracted from the film, and it's truly great. Yeah, no, it is. And then there's this, there's this. You get into this, you know, philosophical argument with your own head. Or at least I do about who's really responsible for their pain. The rest of the, the of the platoon, and who's really responsible for that is the drill sergeant. If if you really want to look at it, he's the one that's making them all do push-ups while he makes him eat a donut or suck his thumb. Mm-hmm. He's the one yeah, he's guy. the one doing the cause and effect here because in regular society this doesn't happen. You just have slow fat dumb guy who will sit and eat his thing but whatever you move on and do the other things but because you're in this little cage where all of those norms go out the door and now you're in a a completely authoritarian system where this everything the sergeant says goes it's all his fault. But you don't think of it, it that way because you're in is, the structure of the system. It's so yeah, that's, right. that's why yeah, this movie's not, good. It's, it's not his fault because the system is broken, and that's the question. Well, I'm not even saying it's broken. broken. It may be necessary to train necessary. For, for people, and we're right. gonna. I, I am actually looking forward to the feedback from mm-hmm. vets and others currently serving who listen to our show because we none of us have ever been in boot camp. We right. don't know what right. it's like. We don't know how accurate this may be of the time or even now. So you can fill uh, us in well, and give us fill us. My dad. I can my, speak to now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Brian. <laughs> my dad and my family, uh, almost everyone in my family were in the Marines. Uh, my dad's, uh, my dad totally, the Marines totally changed my dad. So I, I was born on a military base. I grew up on a military base up until I was about five. And my dad was Marine. And I, he really did. He, he, he has told me many times how it changed him. He did not have the ability to really uh, cry or feel emotions like he did before he went into uh, in, into the Marines. Uh, they they do tear all that down. It's taken many years for him to uh, get back to what we consider normal in in uh, in 
regular society. Sure. Uh, because you do. I mean, you're talking about going into a situation that unless you're in a situation where you're killing people and people are trying to kill you. I mean, how do you prepare for that? Kind of what they did here. Did they do they go too far? That's the question. Do they go too far? Uh, do you save the whole? Do you save the one? Uh, do you, it's, it's a tough question. And I don't think they were looking to give answers. I think he was just presenting those questions artistically and we're supposed to think about it and i think we did and that's good yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's interesting i just all i'm saying is i'm, I'm glad i can finally appreciate the movies yes. uh what, what it's trying to do and not just be mm -hmm. a scared 17 year old it was it was uh right i mean it's funny it was such a shock uh, that that's all people would talk about uh, afterwards. Oh, did you see Full Metal Jacket? Holy crap, what a shot. He shoots himself. And, you know, as a 17, 18-year-old kid, I hadn't seen stuff like that in movies before, obviously. No. But now you you go back and, uh, uh, and like you said, you can see the movie for the whole big picture. The, the one other thing I want to say about that book, it looks like the, um, the third part of the book uh, is the sniper and the, um, uh, mm -hmm. the situation in... Uh, uh Kaysan, there's a middle part and i'm wondering if this movie if there wouldn't have felt like such a stark contrast between the first half and the second half if they would have figured out a way to adapt the middle part of this book which is um joker starting out as a war correspondent getting into a uh, a scuffle there and and a few things there that that almost might have been a good way to not make it feel like such a Kubrick was definitely, he was trying to, I, I, I really feel like Kubrick could have elongated this movie to two and a half, three hours mm -hmm. and done mm -hmm. just what you're saying, because I felt like there were a lot of things that were missing. Uh, yeah. There were some suggestions during the, uh, during those middle scenes that we were looking from a perspective of the media uh, because we were constantly being shown shots of helicopters coming in and out, but it wasn't like new troops. It was the actual uh, media uh, filming and different, you know, wasn't always Stars and Stripes, it was other people uh, uh, filming sure. uh, for TV and movies. So there were, there were some things there that weren't quite addressed. And I think maybe Kubrick just maybe could have used a little more time. No, oh, maybe. You know. I mean, the movie was, I thought the movie was two and a half hours, only an hour, or it's only two it's, hours. It's, it's hour two and hours. 55. It's yeah. almost two hours. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know that I'd want it to go much longer than it was, but. Well, um, as, a, as a movie viewer, no, but as a is is trying to accurately portray a you know a long form story, I think it would it would probably have been benefited from. Us. As, also, as a person who got home at ten thirty last night, right, yeah, right. a shorter movie would have been. <laughs> yeah, but but that's the thing. It I don't feel like the movie tells a bigger story because like it the story is over halfway through the film. Like you you then go on. You can't. I, it's really, really hard to tack a story onto a story, is what I'm saying. And so I just, the whole second half, I'm just watching along feeling like it's telling me things, but not a story. For example, it's telling me about how, because even a newspaper writer marine, <laughs> like there's all these different, there's a, there's, you know, a builder marine, and there's a, a you know, a fire torch carrying marine, and so on. A doctor marine, yeah. Yeah. Because a newspaper writer Marine has gone through boot camp, he yeah. knows how to use a gun. And so the second half reminds me that even when he's in his barracks at night and they start taking fire and there's an ambush coming, that, that he knows how to run out and man a really scary weapon and, you know, and, and shoot people and kill people. Like, 
that's that's a thing the movie tells me, but that's not a story. I'm I'm past the story now, and it's like I'm I'm now I'm just being given strong feelings over and over. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Slice of life. That's where it really fell into for the second half for me. It was just like, mm-hmm. oh, what, the, what does it feel like to be here? Mm. What does it and, feel like and just day the, to day? Yeah. And the futility of it. Like, all right, um, three guys died, a uh, couple more wounded because there was one person with a sniper rifle in a building in a battle that won't advance the war at all. You know, that person, right. there, there was no like, all right, we took that thing and now our troops can come in and take this whole area. No, it's just the futility of like, all right, we traded three guys for one of theirs and really didn't didn't accomplish much in the process. It's funny what I right. did to myself before this viewing, and I don't know why this is all culminating at once, but I've been watching MASH again, which is a commentary about the Vietnam <laughs> War, even though it's set in the Korean War. It was yeah. it was aired during the tail end of the Vietnam War as commentary toward that war. So that's the thing. Also, Ken Burns' incredible The Vietnam mm-hmm. War, which is the name of the, the documentary series, is now on... Uh, Netflix. He took ten years making that. It's amazing. And um, we're gonna sack it next week. Oh gosh! Right. The, <laughs> whole, the, the whole thing—it's so good. If you think so, you know, so, if you think you know what's going right. on in and around the Vietnam War in terms of its beginning, its middle, its end, you honestly right. have zero idea until you watch <laughs> that documentary. There's so much other stuff I had no idea about leading up to it. Things that were happening during and before the Second World War that led ultimately to what happened there like it's insane but all of this together and then topping it off with a viewing of full metal jacket i could not be more annoyed with the late 60s and 70s it's just it's like you bastards what an ugly time like what a nasty war that was a shit that was a shit show from top to to bottom and i hate it you you know um this this leads into interesting conversation because mash like you said was was set in korea because during that time there was a lot of bad feelings through the 70s about the Vietnam War, so oh, yeah. we weren't really able to create a true commentary because there were so many people so close to it that would just like, just be like so pissed if you didn't get it exactly right, and no one really wanted to see the truth during the seventies. So during the eighties, we started seeing some pretty good Vietnam movies, even though they were re- they're they really romanticized. Mm. Uh, Platoon was another great great mm-hmm. movie, and I often get scenes confused from Platoon yeah, and Full Metal Jacket. Within months of like each other, yeah, 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 very, very close, like within a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, there was, I, I think, I still haven't we seen really... Platoon. I could never ring myself to do it. I think oh, what happened. So... Oh, really? I think what happened oh, yeah, is I watched, watched I watched Full Metal Jacket, and then I heard about Platoon, and I said, I don't think I can do another one of these. Like I you couldn't do another Platoon. Vietnam movie. You should watch Platoon, and Platoon does the thing that I that I'm glad that uh kubrick didn't do with full metal jacket is put a more recognizable handsome star in the leading role you've got right. uh, charlie sheen in platoon mm-hmm. yeah and I, even at the time you're thinking oh charlie sheen look there's charlie sheen all right charlie sheen's shooting guys you don't think all right wow that's private joker shooting guys or that's private joker has to make this tough decision yeah you don't think oh it's matthew modine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i have a lot of yeah. memory of it happening and being a huge thing and it winning oscars and all of that but i remember avoiding it because it just seemed like you're never going to, if you're going to be a World War II movie, at least you were going to give me some some validity to was, why you're having the conflict. Like they're Very romanticized War II. It's stuff, romanticized. And I'm, not saying, I'm not saying there isn't hell in that war as well, but what I'm saying yeah. is your reasons for having it uh, are of a pure intention than the reasons that we did anything in Vietnam. 
And so, right. so for me, it was like, okay, well, I can deal with your World War II movie, but I don't want to see your Vietnam one because it's such a nasty, shitty little piece of shit. And well, so, who wants to? Who wants to? Let's face it. Let, let's look at it. I mean, the story we're used to stories where uh, the good guys, aka America, in our in our view, wins. And Vietnam is not about that. It's about frustration and yeah. you know, really. I mean, we won't admit to loss, but uh, uh, not a win is a loss, right? No, you watch Maybe? that documentary. Know. If it's taught me anything, it's that yeah. stubbornly believing that you will win no matter what. Costs yeah. costs us sixty thousand lives. Like it's just mm-hmm. yeah. the dumbest yeah. thing we ever did. It's 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 incredible, and it usually came down to like two or three presidents just making shitty mistakes. Right, just like uh, uh, making decisions based on you know uh, dignity or not dignity, hubris, and and yeah, uh, yeah we can't. Like, oh, bad. I don't want to be seen as a failure. So another, go ahead and send another ten thousand. Yeah, we always there. act like yeah. oh the Asians with the saving face all the time, and like no, I think we're worse at it. Like we sometimes you just got to admit your yeah. your mistake, lick your wounds and walk away. And and we, they took forever to do. We eventually had to do it in Vietnam, but it took us forever. And it cost a lot of lives on all sides before we finally limped away. It's so dumb. Mm-hmm. So dumb. And, you know, a, a billion words have been written, uh, you know, post gaming uh, Vietnam. And so we, we don't need to do that here. Sure do. This film, <laughs> this film goes um this film goes to great lengths to make the point that all war movies make, you know, which is this is bad. And it, it's really impressive in that regard. Like I, you know, like I say, I watched China beach every single episode, but you know, it's on TV. And (laughs) at the time I remember thinking, uh, you know, this like war is bad and there's a lot of, of, of bad things being depicted here, but it's not that bad. And then you watch like Apocalypse Now and you realize, oh, uh-huh. right, not only was war bad, but all the a bunch of people involved are crazy people who do crazy things. Mm-hmm. And and this movie takes that as far as it can go. Like it, you you yeah. you find yourself in Denang and you meet Adam Baldwin and you're like, I don't trust that guy a second, like yeah. even a little yeah. bit. Turns and out, turns out that was good. That was good not to trust him. Then it turns out turns out he's kind of a dick in real life. Turns out. Actually, but that you know was hard for me. The, the movie really, the movie really gets it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. But also, it was hard for me. I, I'd forgotten he was in this, first of all. Um, right. But it was hard for me, and we talked about this a little bit last week. But it was hard for me to look at him, knowing the kind of thing he is today. He's just such an ass, and yeah. and so it's hard for me. Like it's hard for me to watch. I'm still watching Firefly. I still love it. You know, Serenity is still the one movie I've seen twenty times more than Star Wars. Uh. But, you know, Jane was never he got a little tainted because he's kind of yeah, a dick. I thought I thought someday I would go back and rewatch all of Chuck because I enjoyed that TV show. Mm-hmm. And then now that we found out Adam Baldwin is a huge bag of douche, I, I have no <laughs> desire to ever watch that show again. Yeah. And that's that's really sad. Like I, I, I got through this watching of Full Metal Jacket because, you know, it's he's gosh, he's like 20. You know, like I it just like I was able to kind of put it out of my mind that mm-hmm. his current bag of douchiness. But uh, again, my my point was the film really really does the job of of giving you all of the horrible feelings that you need to be uh, given in there in the field. Yeah. Well, he's a he's a weenie, and I don't like him. He's a weenie. Um, <laughs> That's it. I'm calling him a weenie. I'm taking I'm taking a strong stance. <laughs> this was only like four years after he did My Bodyguard, which is hilarious. I don't know if you guys remember that. Have we done that here? We haven't done that here, I don't think. 
Have no, we? but we need to. Yeah, but we should. Feels like, uh, Do we really? My bodyguard, yeah, I think so. My yeah. bodyguard feels gonna, like one of those films. I'm going to watch that new Whitney Houston documentary before I make a decision on that. Okay. <laughs> we'll see how I feel All about right, it. All right, you let me know. The bodyguard. My bodyguard. Is the way, oh, my is, bodyguard. Oh, the one with the know? kid. and he's. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. the other day, I made the bold statement that Kevin Costner has never made a film that I won't watch if it's on. And then yeah. a friend of mine immediately goes, Really? Have you thought that through completely? Right. No, I, I'd hey, still do it even quick, with that. I don't mind my. I don't mind quick, the bodyguard. It's all right. Quick, quick uh, straw poll. My, my bodyguard or three o'clock high? Go. Uh, three o'clock. Three o'clock high. high. Three o'clock. Three o'clock high. high for yeah. sure. All right. Not just because it, it was wins, filmed just 100%. north of. Not not just because it was filmed uh, thirty miles north of me. That's not the reason. But no, because it's it's, film. it's just great. <laughs> it's great. It's the epitome. And while we have my bodyguard, we need to add my tutor. When yeah. We're talking about my movies from the yes. 80s. Yes. Oh my gosh. My what about my girl? Dude. That's also it. But that's nineties. But <laughs> yeah, but my girl's like a. I don't know what. That's not the same. My God, that was such a depressing movie. We should totally watch that. For no, a we shouldn't. Is the one where Macaulay Culkin gets eaten by bees? Is that the deal? Yes, he gets eaten by bees. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. No. Like uh, eaten it's, by Dan Aykroyd. Doesn't yeah, he get eaten by Dan he, Aykroyd? Dan but he Aykroyd does have allergies to bees, and yes, he does die. And yes, I'm sorry, I spoiled a movie. No, from you're fine. Ago. I think we're out of the timing on that. But yeah. look, it's just it's yeah. about a girl growing up. Uh, yeah, Macaulay not, Culkin's her, her weird, sickly friend. He gets attacked by bees and dies. Dan Aykroyd is like a funeral director. That's your movie. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, Ed, no, your movie really is. Hey, what's the cool song? Let's make a movie around it. <laughs> Talking about my girl, my yeah, girl. Right. Speaking, yeah. can we, okay, let's talk about music. Okay. Oh, go ahead, go to Randy, and then I'll. Then I, just, I'll I don't remember the attack by bees and dies part. I remember the girl yeah. dying. No, the girl lived. Girl She's fine. Like a... She's fine. She lived mm-hmm. on. She made my girl too. Yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Who dies getting... in the first movie? Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. He he's allergic. To, he's allergic to bees. He got stung by a bee. Yeah, uh, the bees got him. I. I, I I don't ever want to talk about that movie again. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, let's talk about music. Sure, why not? Hold yeah, on. First, this is what have this a is Vietnam movie with music. This Come is on. what got Macaulay Culkin real quick. Bees, millions of bees. Bees, millions <laughs> of bees. All right, go ahead, Emmett. Uh, is this the only Vietnam movie in the world, in history, in film history, that does not include a Creedence Clearwater revival song? Right. Or, yeah. um, it's got to be close. I, mean, I know. I know we get painted black, but no, give me shelter. Wow, what and right? And yeah. I don't think it had Steve Miller band. No, and it didn't have yeah. uh, didn't have uh, uh, yeah. what's his name? Uh, uh, Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. And no, Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. I realize all of my yeah. all of my yeah. references are at the end of the war songs. Like they had that. All they had that song. It's funny though. I mean, because that's what you think. It's like, all right, I'm music supervisor for this. Mr. Kerbick, what songs do you want? You want you want a Creedence Clear? You want Fortunate Son? You know, we'll start with the Bernie. No, no, no. I'd like uh, <laughs> Chapel of Love by the Dixie yeah, Cups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, like, right. Wooly bully. <laughs> yeah, maybe in a weird I, way. He either didn't get the rights to the right stuff or he was trying to yeah. be a little counter. I think he was trying to be counter. I think I I'm glad he was actually. because we had enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we had enough. So, we've already done it. Yeah. Also, this is right. the mid-80s when they're doing this. So this is, this is before the music industry collapses and starts making everything super expensive, right? Well, late 80s, so, 87, but yeah. yeah. But, but... Like I say, like they had their choice. They could have pretty much anything except probably the Beatles at the time. Mm-hmm. 
and mm-hmm. like this is this is these are conscious it's, decisions. It's odd. One of these songs. It's odd. I agree. I agree. And I think he did it on purpose, and it sets it apart a little bit. Because everything else, this is the minute Brian, you went there, there, there. In my head, I hear, I hear, I hear helicopters. Right, you hear helicopters. Yeah, exactly. Fields, napalm. Can we talk about the helicopter scene? Because that's one of the most memorable things in the film. And again, I realized I was watching it for the first time this viewing because I never saw the second half of the movie before. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that helicopter scene was so freaking terrifying. It just. It's it's loud and you can't really like you can't fully understand what in the world is going back and forth between them. <laughs> yeah, and private the private, private gagger movies, over there. He was like, yeah, private guy, gag. I thought that guy was gonna finally barf. He never oh, did. Yeah, yeah. But you can't really like the thing that comes through is the hardest message, which is these Marines, because of what they have gone through already to make them into Marines. They no longer have the moral structure to tell the gunner that he's wrong. In fact, right. they're just fine with with him. Like they're asking him reporter questions mm-hmm. rather right. than even making a statement about mm-hmm. what he's doing. You know, right. and th- right. that's just like shocking. Yeah, and he's yeah. And meanwhile mowing down these you know uh, women out there working the rice fields and. Mm-hmm. It's just get some, yeah, get some. Get some. It's get like some. <laughs> exactly was really. I would like to have that in a video game. I, it's just a great little line. <laughs> An get homage. Some, get some. There probably is, dude. I'll bet there's a Call of Duty <laughs> where they say that. A, yeah, somebody somewhere. Horrible, is horrible some. situation, but kind of catchy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, I just want to say, after 20 years of playing StarCraft, I learned what this viewing that the phrase "in the rear with the gear." Yeah, in the rear with the gear. Yeah. In fact, I've got it here. I I'll play it. to be in the I'll, rear with the gear. I'll play it right now. In the rear with the gear. Now, what's funny with that line is, he's referring to we're not in the front, we're in the back with cameras and recording equipment. Mm-hmm. I had always assumed from the StarCraft reference that in the rear with the gear meant you're the tank with the heavy artillery you're 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 supporting right, right. the people who exactly. are on the front line right and so right. to me the meaning's a little skewed there like he, what he's saying is we're safe back here i like it back here because we don't we're not going to get in trouble we're not going to die back in the rear here with the gear and i always took it as more <laughs> I, I took it as more aggressive in the in the game yeah. so yeah. bottom line i'm not going to tell, tell you what i thought that meant yeah, yeah. right yeah uh, bottom line, though, this movie I has. I was talking wet. about Richard Gere and that thing that they. Oh, with the gerbil. Huh? Yeah, the yeah. gerbil. Yeah, in the rear with uh, Richard Gere. In in the rear with the with the gear. We could yeah. we could do a whole hour on the rhymes in this film, and some of them don't make sense, yes. and you don't want to think through them too much. Yeah. Are you saying that this movie does not accurately depict the temperature of Eskimo genitalia? Right. Yes, <laughs> yes I am. And again convenient rhymes there are a lot of them you could probably make a poetry book of convenient rhymes from this movie they don't all make sense no like when he goes uh you know you've always heard the old everyone does the i don't know what i've been told and they repeat it yeah. and then it's usually yeah. something like uh, that old bread had lots of mold or something like that nope yeah. it's uh eskimo is mighty cold like yeah they he he had a way of making sure you could do that. You'd have the nastiest rhyme possible. Like he is, right. he is a, I understand he had like real life experience with this, the, but my gosh, dude, this is stuff. the Andrew yeah. Dice Clay of uh drill instructors, right? Yeah. This, uh, is, my, this yeah. is my rifle. This is my gun. <laughs> this is for shooting. This is for fun. <laughs> exactly. Those guys just walking through the barracks, oh. grabbing their junk. 
my ten year old chose that moment to walk in. Oh, perfect. Perfect. That's the rule. That's the rule. So my my favorite little tidbit uh, from the trivia in all that is that uh, of the many things Ermi ad libbed that made it into the final movie was uh, you wouldn't even have the decency to give a man a reach around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Kubrick cut him and walked out onto the set and asked what in the world that meant. <laughs> Kubrick had no idea what that meant. So Ermi explained Showed it him. to him, and then yeah. Kubrick loved it and said, let's do it again, same exact words. Yeah. That is the best. Yeah, that's pretty good. But I also, you know... He won an, did he win the Best Supporting Actor Oscar? I think he did, didn't he? Didn't Ermy get that? I know he's nominated. I don't know if he Had won. Had he not? Oh, I don't know. He yeah, was, he should. He definitely should have. He was absolutely nominated. Right that I remember, but I don't remember if he won. He may not have, but uh, what a defining role. But right. also, he, but also he, what he else are you going to do? All look he, at, but he can't yeah. do it again. Or what's el- what else? He can't be right. a kindly old grandpa in, in a feel-good movie. Like, this doesn't I, and work. And I just want to say, uh, regardless... This is the perfect example of why the concept of supporting acting is bullshit. Mm. He is the star of the yeah. film, mm-hmm. period. Uh, yeah. Nominated for uh, Best Supporting Actor for Golden Globes. No, no, no Oscar not nomination. Oscar? No. And no, and no, uh, and no, well, no wins there. He was, uh, he won Best Supporting Actor for the Boston Society of Film Critics Awards. Okay. We should have won. No, been a tremendous no year, did, but yeah, no one did a better uh, drill sergeant up until uh, Major Pain. Otherwise, yep. <laughs> yeah, but even but even <laughs> Major Pain, Major Pain is a comedic nod it's to this guy. On, it is, yeah, yeah, right. Like he is the he uh, is so the one point in time where he said, "What is a drill sergeant like?" In 1987, we found out, and it stayed, and it never left. It like that's the guy. That's it. One of his other. Uh, one of his other uh, award or nominees nominations was 2004 for the uh, best supporting actor for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Oh, now, right. I forgot well, he was and, the cop in that. Uh, yeah, I even, think yeah. we need to see that one. Yeah. I've seen, I actually this, like that one. I'll send you the Blu-ray. <laughs> even, <laughs> even in inside this film, there is a promotion of that performance. When later our, our plucky heroes leave Da Nang and head toward Kwai, one of the first things they come across is a mass grave. And there is a random encounter. You're, you know, it's like Final Fantasy or something. There's a random encounter with an officer who barks at Matthew Modine and does not even reach a tenth of the level that uh, Ermi does early in the film. Mm-hmm. And he's just like it's a it's a fine little depiction. It's got some horrible mistakes, mm. like the officer saluting a an enlisted man in the field is yeah. all nonsense that would never happen. Right. But uh, there, but you realize that there's not just one, you know, mad barking officer in all the world. There are lots of them, and these guys are going to encounter them throughout their career in the Marines. It's just this guy isn't that good. He's not on that level, you know? Mm, that guy out in the field, by the way, is, uh, in my mind, famous for uh, an episode of Faulty Towers where he played mm. an American tourist or an American who's married to a English woman, and they usually live in California, but they're visiting Torquay and going to that hotel and they, they can't make a Waldorf salad for him because, oh, because, because they don't the know Waldorf what it is. Salad guy, so right. he's the angry, angry, he keeps saying he's going to bust some ass. Celery, apples, yes. walnuts, grapes. <laughs> exactly. 
It's that actor who is just, yes. it's all I could think about when he was on screen. I forgot that that was the guy. Wow. Yeah. Which would have been not that, uh, well, that would have been 10 years previous probably, I guess. So about a yeah. decade on. But anyway, interesting actor. That would, have been, that would have been something that Kubrick looked at when he was casting him. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Snowball, by the way, uh, played by oh. Peter Edmund here, was almost played by uh, uh, Denzel Washington, who really wanted the role. He didn't get it. Uh, but Denzel you know, I can out yell snowball. I mean, come on, man. That guy. Oh, he was horse when he started Wait, right snowball away. Or eight ball. Eight ball. Snowball. Eight ball. Oh, eight ball. Okay. I thought eight you ball, said not snowball. snowball. Eight ball. The guy from okay. uh, uh, oh. the, the the dude. Uh, sorry, I said snowball. That's my fault. Uh, eight ball. The one who was um, uh, later in the field. The one that the, his, yeah. his thing was too p- p- poco or whatever. They, they were talking about his wiener <laughs> being too big. Buku. Buku. Too buku. Too buku. He, he's he's fine. Um, he kind of creeps me out. <laughs> apparently actually. so. Yeah, he kind of gives he's me the creeps. Fairly, he apparently is just fine. But he's, he's, just he's like fine. He's he's not getting shot out there in the field. <laughs> I, uh, it's fine. It's, it's time for a Blizzard reference, friends. Eight Ball was played by Dorian Harewood, who has been in other films like Space Jam and Sudden Death, which we've seen on FilmSack. However, yeah. Yeah. he was the voice of the Barbarian in Diablo oh, 3. He's no. a fine yes. voice actor. Diablo 3 Barbarian? Yeah. Oh, I love Dorian that. Harewood. Oh my gosh! Now I'm in love with the guy again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He does tons of voice work now. It looks like almost all he does is like yeah. a bunch of that. Oh look yeah. at that! He's Barbarian got a great male. voice. So good he on. does have a great voice. That's so cool. Okay, but uh, the one piece of okay, there is a piece of trivia that I'm absolutely going to say is a lie. And if anyone wants to disprove me on this, I dare you. There's no way this is true. Arnold Schwarzenegger turned down the role of animal mother in order to star in The Running Man. Right. Bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No yeah, way I, he was that guy. He was going to be, hey, uh, uh, put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, you walk just, the walk and you talk well, the talk. <laughs> also, no way. Kubrick, Kubrick is infamous for uh, not being willing to pay people what they're, what they're worth. So, like, he, he specifically goes for actors who are lower on the pay scale. And, uh, you know, it's the reason why, uh, oh, what's his name? There's all this trivia about uh, an actor who, uh, was slated to play Joker and and Kubrick wouldn't pay him what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was it, Scott? You read the trivia. Uh, I don't remember. But anyway, um, there's just no way. There's no way what what Schwarzenegger was earning and the way Schwarzenegger worked that there was even a discussion. There's no way. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. Well, plus plus the accent. I mean, you you know you want a bunch of fresh faced American kids yeah. uh, in these roles, and I don't think. No, I don't think anyone would buy that. No. that this guy who let this guy Austrian. in. Yeah, yeah, right. I don't think who it's true. I think it's just in. fake. I think this is just a fake piece of trivia that somebody yeah. threw in there. And the fact that his Schwarzenegger should have been the obvious thing is it's always him in these fake mm-hmm. entries. But come on, right? There's no yeah. way they were like, all right, we got to. He was also considered for the role. Yeah, Anthony like, Michael on. Hall. Yeah. So Anthony Michael Hall, what had a contract to play Private Joker? Yeah, we talked about but, this earlier. Yeah. But but Kubrick wasn't willing to pay him what he wanted. Oh, that and was the like, mo- it was the money if, thing for him. I didn't realize that. If if you don't have Anthony Michael Hall money, you sure as hell don't have Arnold Schwarzenegger money. <laughs> yeah, but even you and I right now have Matthew Modine money. We got him covered. Yes. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I got that in my back pocket. Come yeah. on, hold a second. Let me yeah. see the guy here. Matthew Modine oh, yeah. money he's, is uh, cheap. He's doing an I appearance at the opening of a grocery store today here right. in this area. Yeah, Safeway, new Safeway <laughs> going up. Uh, all right. One other thing I wanted to make sure I didn't uh, forget to say. I don't think you need that many toilets. And there was not one time where you needed 50 toilets in a barracks at the same freaking time. Why do you have to have so many toilets? 
What is that about? It, it, I yeah, it was according to what they're serving in the mess all that day. You may need that. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I so the, the, I, I actually want to I actually want to argue with that because that was a you know that that wasn't constructed for this film. That was a barracks uh, head, right? Right. So why and, did they do that? Why? Here's the, here's the way it works. So so you you uh, you you're drilling all morning, right? And then and then you dismiss these boys to go have lunch. And then they have a time frame to go take a dump, and then you're going to go back to class or whatever. And that time frame is very brief, and everyone has to go hit the head for the same ten minutes. Oh, like, this That's yes, yeah, sure, yeah. And they're all sitting close to each other; they see each other like it's horrible. It's Scott Johnson's nightmare dump. It sounds awful. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. We haven't talked about the gross. We yeah. haven't talked about the gross, right? Oh, yeah. No, well, that was it. I can't. I everything. Gross I mean, there's plenty of gross, gross stuff in the movie for sure. Like it's just gross all around. But uh, yeah, t- I, give me put a little thin wall between those toilets. What are you doing? Have a big open toilet room. That sucks. That's bad design. That's like some kind of Nazi business. Don't do that. Have have your toilets in a little space. That's all mm-hmm. I'm asking for. <laughs> if I can get anything in this life, just one request. <laughs> you. No, but but you know it would be kind of funny, like everybody all pooping at the same time, like yeah. you know, twenty four ah. guys all sitting there. Hold, hold my hand. <laughs> <laughs> they had to, right? Like that—that's the yeah. thing. Like every every unnatural act that happens in boot camp, right, is mm. is something that they have to do. Like mm. you, you're, you, what are you? Are you gonna poop your pants two hours later because you, you couldn't poop. do it? Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, if we're picking favorite actors in this thing. I think mine probably goes to a guy not a lot of people know by name, and but you've certainly seen a million movies with him in it. But the guy that played Cowboy uh, is great in this. His name is uh, Arliss Howard. Arliss Howard, yeah. Is he, is he again to the other? There's two Howards. There's Kevin uh, Major Howard and Arliss Howard. I want to know if either of those are related. I don't think so. Are also are any of them related to the? Uh, no. To the Ron Howard or cousins or anything like that. Oh, well, cousins maybe, but they're not direct relations. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, he looks. Yeah. He's a kind of a. Arliss is a balding older dude now, and whatever. Oh, I also have a. Oh, I have a confession. Should There's I do no it? Ron Howard connection here. I just want to say <laughs> before you before you confess, I just want to point out Arliss Howard is Deborah Winger's husband. Oh, very nice. Well, she's yeah, well, she's lovely. A, That's good. They've been a couple for. A he's long. in all kinds of stuff like. Uh, like big, big things. Like he was in that whole series of True Bud. He was in Moneyball. He was in Rubicon. Uh, the Time Traveler's Wife. Like he's he's worked. He's got work. Uh, he's done work. Is what I'm trying to say. Uh, anyway, uh, here's my confession. Uh, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. Here's my confession. Um, I'm not a big ASMR fan, or I don't really understand it. So, and people know this of me. I've tried. I've tried listening to your whispery people, and I don't get it. Okay, (laughs) I just don't understand. It doesn't do a thing for me. That's fine. Totally fine with it. Happy that people are into it. Whatever, but it's not for me. Here's what I do think is my ASMR. It's watching people with copious amounts of hair having it shaved. Oh, something about that is addicting to me to watch huge amounts of hair just come right off. You must have loved that opening sequence. I love that opening sequence. <laughs> I did. Unlike it, the people in the chairs who all looked, nobody looked excited except for Pyle. Pyle no one grinning. looked excited. <laughs> like, free free haircut. Yeah. All right, free yeah. haircut. Guys, can you imagine how horrible it must have been to be on set with Kubrick? The perfectionist of all perfectionists. 
as he was trying to do these one take ever shots of people getting their haircut. Oh, it must have been something I, else. I, yeah. I can't imagine how how long that took and how much pressure there was on people to get the well, right specifically shot the ones where like modine getting his haircut and the big characters getting their haircuts because there were definitely some extras in there that we never heard from again that were also getting right. their haircuts and they, probably they had actually a bunch died of during the haircuts that's yeah. the reason why i didn't see them again they call them it's b-roll it or they called it h-roll because it i roll. nicked his artery <laughs> oh, go ahead. but watching them shave that off and there's something about a good razor that can really just go right to the roots and immediately remove yeah. huge <laughs> amounts of hair there's something about that i love watching yeah. it industrial the old industrial clippers yeah so um, of, wouldn't you sweep out the hair between shaves no maybe not, my, not i guess if you're not in my beloved marine corps no um, <laughs> Got no time for that. <laughs> One of those guys, by the way, uh, he may, makes a very brief appearance in the platoon later, is an actor named Michael Anthony Williams. He has to have our picture of the week in oh. IMDb. There has oh. never oh. been in this movie. There can't be somebody with a worse IMDb picture than Michael Anthony Williams. I highly recommend you go look it up and ask yourself once again, how did this happen? Where Michael How Anthony could Williams, a professional who was in Forty Eight Hours and Rocky Five and so on. How is this guy's IMDb <laughs> picture so? He's just so getting horrible. hilarious right there. Okay, he's getting yeah, punched. Yeah, she's gonna punch oh. in the face. That's great. That's oh, great. That's really funny. Yeah, he's uh, yeah. Hasn't done anything since '09, so he's been out of the. Oh, he's Rocky Five. By the way. I uh, saw Ant-Man and, and Wasp uh, this last All week, right. obviously. It's unrelated to, to this. But um, kind of reminded me, this photo uh, reminded me. Uh, Creed 2 is coming out. Has anybody seen the trailer for that? Uh, not yet. Yes, no. I have. I haven't yet. And and the reveal of who his opponent yeah. is, I uh. actually laughed in the theater. <laughs> uh, did you really? Wait, is it like Young Drago or something? Yes. <laughs> yes. Are, you Drago. Drago. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You can't, you can't freaking. Oh, look, I was so mad. I looked up the actor and I'm like, come on, Dolph Lundgren was such a, he looked like a freak. I mean, that's what sold his his yeah. character is like, he looks like a freak. This other guy looks like a gym rat. I he understand like that, but, but if they, I'm going to put some, some, some trust in it because Coogler's awesome. That first movie's great. Sure. Uh, I was shocked how good that movie was. Like it shouldn't be a I movie about Apollo's kid. Seen. Creed. Oh, you should see Creed. Creed's great. I know it's streaming. I'm, I'm watching good. it. Yeah, Creed's yeah. awesome. So the fact that they are, I will give them the benefit of the doubt. But that sounds super dumb. <sighs> it just. <laughs> I'm okay with the idea. I'm just not down with the casting. I, I got to wait. The, I gotta wait, I gotta wait <laughs> till the movie comes out to really appreciate it. I want him to be like all tatted up and looking like some <laughs> Eastern European douchebag. Is that what he looks like? Yeah. No, it looks like just some average-looking, handsome gym rat yeah, is what he looks yeah. like. I'm well, like, and, I, I, need, so I need a freak. A freak, and, please. Right. And Creed Creed was made by Ryan Coogler, uh, you know, director of Black Panther. Yeah. And so I was excited initially when I heard about Creed 2 because I want to see more from him. But he's got nothing to do with it, and that makes me sad. Oh, Look, I, right. I want to tell you something. I also saw the latest trailer to Predator, the Predator, the remake of predator yeah and i just want to say man pick some ugly actors and when i say ugly i just mean unique looking i am i i don't i don't like these i'm, I'm okay with a remake but don't put a bunch of attractive normal looking people in my in my crazy you know space invasion movie i need something ugly to look at you know what i mean that's mm -hmm. 
Ooh, it Dolph, frustrates me. By the way, sorry, not uh, this breaking news. I don't know if he's in the trailer, but Dolph Lundgren's also in this movie. Yes. Yeah, yes. for sure. That's okay, well, I'm, of yes. course I'm watching Creed 2. Are you kidding me? This sounds yeah. great. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do this. Yeah, and by the way, Dolph Lundgren don't look like he used to. So no. I, I, I'm going to allow the change in the look and feel of people. I think he looks awesome now. He looks good. Old yeah. Dolph yeah, Lundgren we see, we is cool. We've seen him in Expendables. We, we watched him in Expendables, exactly. I think yeah, he's cool looking now, like a weird, mm-hmm. chiselly looking, yeah. strange old man now. I think he's awesome. It's like a replicant. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If you're an older guy and you're going to have this kind of like uh, cosmetic surgery on your face, you better to take a lot of steroids and do a lot of working out in the gym. Is he had a bunch of work? I can't tell. I don't think he's had any work done. I think that's you, just what. Yeah, you're okay. thinking of somebody else. Okay. I think his I think his face is failing. You know what? what? No, okay. I've got a picture of him right here. I'm going to put it in our chat in uh, the Discord Frog Pants chat, and you're going to see. I think I think Randy's smoking crack. This is a normal face that is not a plastic face i don't see any i don't see any plastic right. face no that's a normal guy you're probably yeah. mixing him yeah, up that's with mickey just how rooney. he looks i think you're talking about mickey rooney or something because he's plastic. oh my god mickey that, rooney that face is up. all muscle <laughs> yeah. now, now mickey yes mickey rourke also in the they're not rooney you know he has famously <laughs> done cosmetic surgery i'm saying when i look at dolph lundgren i see the whole you know uh, the, I don't the at all. Natural facelift stuff. I think you have lost your mind on this one. Here's another comparison. Here's when he's young. Here's where he is now. That's this is that's this is great podcasting, folks. We're looking at pictures. I'll bet you. <laughs> I'll bet you money. He's not had a thing done. I think he's just lucky with yeah. the old guy, uh, you know, Scandinavian looks, and he just looks like a mm-hmm. stud. He's just cool, right. man. I I'm all in on anything mm-hmm. he's in now, even if it's dumb. I want to see it. Like we should do that kindergarten cop two thing. Just because he's oh in yes, oh, kindergarten copier, yeah, <laughs> for many reasons. Yeah, just to see, just to yeah, see. Yeah, but up. as long as as long as there's cop and a half, I I can't, I can't say we need to go first with that one because cop and a half. Come on, yeah, Burt Reynolds. I don't remember that. Was it good? Cop and a half. No, I do remember cop and a half. And he had like a little kid sidekick or something. Yeah. <laughs> You don't remember this? No. Oh, there's, there's even cops. a there's even a there's even a, yeah two and a half cop or cop and a half. It's cop and a half. Really? I know it is, but I'm just I'm just uh, like <laughs> right. Hey, look, any movie that that the Fonz directs, starring Burt Reynolds, <laughs> is really that's I, a that's a Fonzie directed I gotta, movie. I gotta go with it. You know okay. what I'm saying? I had no idea that existed. Saying. Henry Winkler directed Cop and a Half. Is that what you're telling me? That's what I'm telling you. I'm just saying, don't waste your life. <laughs> You got to watch this movie. <laughs> All right. Put it on the list of what we want that coming up. Okay. Before we continue forward, we must look back, not back, forward also with our uh, friends at Casper.com. Casper is uh, sponsoring today's episode. That's right. Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. And the benefits are clear, but I'll give you some anyway. Okay. They make mattresses designed by humans for humans. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams and a quality sleep surface that is just the right sink, just the right bounce. It's a breathable design that helps you sleep cool and regulate your body temperature throughout the night, which is really important during these very hot summer months. And they're not just any mattress company. Casper offers Casper offers a wide range of products to ensure an overall better sleep experience. And they're made right here in the USA. Getting into the Casper ecosystem is easy. You can just do it online. Deliverable straight to your door in a compact box. Free shipping and free returns in the US and Canada. And here's the best part. 
100-day free, risk-free trial. That's right, a risk-free 100-day trial. Comes to your house, you try it for 100 days. If for any reason you don't like it, free shipping and returns anywhere in the U.S. and Canada. It's that simple. I got one, I loved it, and I kept it. I bet you will too. Considering we spend one-third of our lives on a mattress, it's very important to truly get the kind of sleep you need. And try the mattress before committing. Why Casper gives you those 100 nights to try it out. I love mine. You'll love yours. Get $50 toward your mattresses by visiting casper.com slash filmsack and use that promo code filmsack at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. That's $50 toward select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash filmsack and use the promo code filmsack at checkout. All right, we should do clips. I have some clips. Would you guys like to hear some clips? I would oh love yes. to hear some clips. Yeah! <laughs> well, I can provide them, and I will click them now, and you'll hear them. Here comes the first one. Uh, now, these are a little mixed up. I have to admit to something. I screwed up, and my files got all out of order, uh, so I don't know what the chronological order should be on these, so it's a little mixed up. I tried to put them in the right place. Just know that going in. We may have some that feel a little weird, but anyway, we'll start with this. You are nothing but unorganized, grabastic pieces of amphibian shit. I love his grabastic. Grabastic. That's my favorite word. It's pretty good. Now, there's a lot of things he said that I simply cannot play on the show because we're, you know, generally PG 13 here, but uh, let's suffice it to say Lee Ermey knows how to pull out a nasty thought and make it sound rad. Uh, here's him yelling. Ah! All right, there's that. Oh wow! <laughs> Here's uh, here he is. Uh, let's see, what's this? Ah! Oh, yeah, it was him trying oh. to do the war oh, face. Show me your war face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's a shorter one. Ah! <laughs> show me your O face. <laughs> ah! It's the same as your war face. It turns out they're the same. Uh, here's another one. You don't scare me. I like that. Uh, these are all very short. Let's see. How about this one? <laughs> it's such nonsense. When they do the like yeah. that stuff, I love that. Flip, flip, flop. Yeah. Here's clean the head. As soon as you finish your bunks, I want you two turds to clean the head. There you go. <laughs> First, you mess up the toilet, then you had to clean it up, turd. Yeah. Uh, what's this one? I want that head so sanitary and squared away that the Virgin Mary herself would be proud to go in there and take a dump. <laughs> yeah, the Virgin Mary taking a dump. That's what you want. Uh, let's see. What's this one? A jelly donut. Oh, yeah. That's when things start going real bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> A jelly donut. Uh, isn't, it, isn't it always? <laughs> him, eat, yeah. him eating that jelly donut was just amazing that he could actually go through with eat because they told him to eat it. And it's like mm -hmm. and he ate it so very military and efficiently. It was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah I would scarf that thing down because I'm assuming as soon as I'm done with that jelly donut, they're done oh. with their push-ups. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're done with their push-ups, and then they're beating me with a towel and a, and a, and a bar of soap. <laughs> yep. That's what's going to happen. There's a name for that bar of soap thing. It's called... Yes, yeah, uh, soap mace or something like that. Something like that. Mm. Uh, I forgot. There's a term for it, and I guess it's a thing that soldiers have done that was based on real hazing stuff. Yeah. Sounds really painful, but also something about how it doesn't leave bruises or something. There's a Wikipedia article called Blanket Party. A, a blanket party is a form of corporal punishment or hazing. And that's oh what that was? It was a blanket party? 
Because they strap him down, they hold the blanket down so he can't move. Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello. Oh, fantastic. Oh, the 50s surfer movies. They're the best. All right, here's odd narration. I did not like this. Graduation is only a few days away, and the recruits of Platoon 3092 are salty. They are ready to eat their own guts and ask for seconds. It's just so, like... Out of place because we hadn't done it. Until then, well, it's like it's a like, junior. Oh, no, we're this. It's like a junior high kid, though, reading his school paper. Yeah, just to... well, that was the last time he had written anything, right? Well, high school. No, yeah, yeah, no. but but they chose him to be the army narrator, the war correspondent. Like you know, yeah, yeah, means you weren't going to get he, killed, basically. Or well, he wasn't you good. Know he's a he's a writer. He's not a reader. Yeah, <laughs> right. You got to be effing kidding me. You know what? This is you make a good point. This is like Stephen King when he narrated the third uh, Dark Tower book. It's terrible. Yeah. It's horrendous. Yeah. So then Roland walked into town, or however he talks. <laughs> so bad. Really and bad. this this town also in Maine. Uh... <laughs> it's near Castle Rock. You may have heard of that one before. Yeah. Here's uh, I used to. Oh, I wrote. I used to fear this. So I'll play it here. Up in the morning to the rising sun. Up in the morning to the rising sun. Gonna run all day till the running done. Gonna run all day till the running done. The idea of running and and rhyming and singing gives I just oh my gosh. And like I, four in the morning. I'm willing to bet that they brought in like a men's choir or something for those parts because <laughs> yeah, those don't think- sound like people who are in the process of running. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean they were all there, but you're probably right. They probably overdubbed it or something. Right, them thinking they're overdubbed it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean these are actors. Come on, these are not actual servicemen. <laughs> yeah. Here's a chance for you to say the name of your movie. Full Metal Jacket. There you go. That's the film. Uh, jacket. I'm gonna be in Jurassic yeah. World one day. He'll say. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna... Pin with my baby face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for Men in Black. Yeah, I'm gonna be oh, a yeah, Men uh, in Black. He was oh, the, I forgot about that. He was oh, the bug. Too. He was the bug guy, right? Had the bug in him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was so good. He was See, amazing. Everything he does uh, is good for me. No, listen, D- D- uh, DiCaprio. D'Onofrio is a national acting treasure. I think he's fantastic yeah. and should continue to work as yeah. long as he wants. Uh, here's the hooker lady. Okay, so we're gonna do here's some of that. Just a little bit of some of that. All mm-hmm. right, here you go. You got girlfriend Vietnam. Not just this minute. Well, baby, me so horny. Me so horny. Okay. (laughs) Me love you a long time. Oh, really? If you haven't heard the song. Oh, well, here's that part. Me love you long time. Yeah, yeah. And then you got uh, two live crew. We talked about them earlier, but they took that and ran with it, didn't they? They didn't. They do. were like, "Yeah, uh-huh. this is our they next did. next big hit, everybody. Let's get her in there." We're just going to use these two clips from this movie, and uh, we've got a hit. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Nailed it. Here's this guy. Fucky, fucky, smoke cigarette in a she. Give you everything you want. <laughs> that guy's great. <laughs> okay, so there were some moments where we were kind of offensive in this movie. Uh, oh yeah. Well, so yeah. Oh, so many, hey, many moments. What you going to do? Yeah. They were they were there were moments where Lee Ermey was making me turn a little red, oh. and then this this stuff with the uh, the the prostitutes was uh, yeah. yeah a little rough. So I mean, what was the reflection of the '70s and late '60s, and what was the reflection of what was okay during the late? 80s? I think it's a reflection of what's okay in wartime. In war, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. right. I don't think it has anything to do with the decade. I think you you put yourself in a place where you're 
you're just doing you're doing things you just wouldn't do it just, it's, right. exactly it just uh from what i can imagine it just doesn't feel like real life so it's like uh mm-hmm. a hold is put on our typical mores and standards and we just say okay yeah prostitution sure let's just do that <laughs> sure 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 uh vietnamese uh, w- uh prostitute with uh with armpit hair okay <laughs> i'm down with that vietnamese. yeah vietnamese. Vietnamese. vietnamese vietnamese you said vietnamese yeah Viet- vietnamese <laughs> i for some reason this reminded me of david sadaris i went and saw him uh speak live you know he does a speaking tour thing every couple years and i went and saw david sadaris about six months ago and he's a funny guy and he's just talking about you know he's old he's old now he's talking about what it was like to grow up in the south he grew up in raleigh in the 60s and uh he just off the cuff he just reminisces about being in a restaurant and he remembers the restaurant he was in and where he was sitting and so forth when the news came over the radio that Martin Luther King had been shot and killed and someone who ran the restaurant walked out into the room and announced to everybody who was eating there that MLK had been killed and all the people eating there uh, cheered and clapped. Mm -hmm. And it was like the crowd hearing the story from him uh, like we all just like gasped at, at that, you know, like that was that was hard to hear in 2018. And this film, for some reason, like it just it just kept hitting me like that. Like, wow, I I know they're trying to depict accuracy, what it was, what people actually spoke like in the 60s. But it's hard. I, I'm having a hard time taking it in and mm. accepting it. Well, you know, people clap it. I don't want to drop any names, but they go to rallies and places like, oh, I don't know, Montana <laughs> and clap at all kinds of horrific <laughs> shit. So yeah. you killed Ibbett. Yeah, you did. Depends you killed, on, you killed me, depends on where you go. All right. Here's yes, Jane. Sir. Here's Jane from Firefly. You talk the talk. Do you walk the walk? Oh, 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 oh. Did it feel for a minute like they were having a um a John Wayne rap battle? Like yeah, <laughs> a yeah. little bit. Right? Yeah. Like like they were both quoting films because it was, like it was just weird. Now, Baldwin's delivery just seems so uh <laughs> like he was trying to impersonate somebody when he was responding. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. It yeah. felt dumb. It was like step it up. It's Vietnam style. <laughs> step it up or step up. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna throw. What it, it's like a dance. What do they call that? The, the South Park yeah. did a great thing on that where yeah. it was. Can, so you know, what's like? What was those, uh, get up or uh, what's the name yeah, of those step movies? Out, step up or uh, step yeah, up. Step up is right. Oh, yeah. yeah, right. Step yeah. up. Yeah, and you'd have step dance it, battles. Step it up. Step up. Freaking dance battles. Somebody'd show up with a boombox or a guy who could do beatboxing. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> not just anybody now are you talking about all the mini sequels are you talking about the first one because the first one had real actors right let me guess you have this all in some sort of dvd library at home Heck no, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have these but i have seen the channing tatum first uh uh of these i haven't you know it's not like one of my favorites or something but yeah step up is a fr- movie franchise well, what's the one that, uh, uh, what's the franchise where it's a bunch of cheerleaders because that's a different one. Oh, oh that's that's is that step off what is that uh what is it uh, no, bring it on bring it on bring it on, bring it on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's the same deal they walk up and go oh you think you can do this right. cheer like we can rah rah re rah rah row and they're like oh i can right. do that it's one better pitch perfect yeah i hate yeah. That oh stuff. don't 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 be 
working on meat salting fish burgers. <laughs> I, okay. I actually, I actually do have those. So back up, Ibit. dude. Shut up. You have oh, Pitch Perfect. Okay. On, okay. Well, have... just just digitally. I don't. I don't own them. You know, on a, in a you know digital format. You know, in case you know the apocalypse happens. I you know I'm not that concerned about it. But I do have it on digital. Just tell me you didn't spend actual U.S. dollars on Pitch Perfect movies. Just tell me. Absolutely, that. but on sale <laughs> because you know I don't pay pay full price for nothing. Right. No, that's true. Yeah, it's just the demo. Scott, I think um, it was like. Yeah. What if the Pitch Perfect movies are really good, Scott? They're How not. would you ever know? Oh, I watched them. They're not. I don't like them. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say them. I watched the first one, and that was enough for me. But All right. my daughter really likes it, and I respect her. Do you like Workaholics? Her. Do you like uh, that show? I don't think I've seen it. What? Did yeah. you see their... Uh... Come on, you don't watch like Durs and all those guys. Who Come the hell, on, you who don't the hell watch is Adam Divine. Who's Durs? Who's Durs? Uh, Adam. Anders Home, yeah. Uh, the the Ander, Anders Home, Blake Anderson and Adam Devine. They had a they kind of had like a little comedy troupe, and they did uh, Workaholics for Comedy Central. And uh, I enjoyed their work. And there's actually a Netflix movie that is dumb as dirt, but is is a fun watch. We Do, probably should. Is it called Joe? Uh, dirt? Maybe we should. Maybe we should sack that one day. What's it called? Workaholics also. Uh, no, 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 no. It's a uh, oh, what is the name of the movie? Uh, hold on a second. Let me take a look. Well, talk while I look. I can't remember the name of it, but I did watch it a couple of months ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's see here. We're just, uh, we'll just let Adam you Divine. look. Yeah. The reason no... why it made me think about it is Adam Devine does, uh, is, is, does great and pitch perfect. Game Over Man is the name of the uh, Netflix movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Game Over Man. Game over, man. Game over. Kind of like, game over, man. man. Game over. Just game like over. Yes. Yep. yep. Okay. It's a tribute to um, Bill Paxton. That's Bill great. Paxton's yes. uh, Aliens quote. Yes. I love it. There you go. I love and it. And speaking of uh, Pitch Perfect, it is I, just, bad. I, I yeah. just want to admit for many years I've been following Anna Kendrick on Twitter. Mm -hmm. She is a national treasure. <laughs> and she is starring in a new film called A Simple Favor coming out in a few weeks, and I can't wait to see it. She did that thing with uh, Aubrey Plaza where they were kind of uh, yes. slutty. What, what was that? My yeah, wedding yeah. dates. Uh, I did not like that movie. Some Joe really? and Mike need wedding dates or something like that. Yeah, I felt like it was trying. To I don't know how it. we. Right. I don't know how we got here, but I there, there's also a Hulu original with Aubrey Plaza. It's uh, Ingrid Goes West. Oh, I heard that's guys... good. I've heard that's good. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. She uh, plays get this a uh, kind of a awkward uh, Instagram stalker. So she she does really good at that. I love her in uh, that thing, so, uh, the Marvel Parks deal. and Rec. No, the Marvel thing. Shadow she's, King. Uh, yeah, well, oh, Legion. Yeah, yeah. Legion. She's Legion's amazing. Great. She's, she's amazing. Great in that. Oh my gosh, she's good in that. Uh, anyway, no, I, okay. it's not her. She's not the problem. I'm just saying that movie sucked. That was a poo movie with Anna oh. Kendrick and her. Okay. What? Okay. Oh, you're just saying. <laughs> okay. I've been, I've been watching the World Cup, so for me, Aubrey Plaza is trying to sell me a, a cell phone. Oh, oh, that's that's funny. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Oh, is, really? Yeah. Is it one of those every, cell phones that she doesn't use herself? Every every commercial break, Aubrey Plaza tries to sell you a cell phone. <laughs> you're yeah. watching She's the World Cup. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I didn't. I haven't seen that. I must not have seen that commercial at all. Here's huh. what those people do: they come out and they go, "You need to try the HTC One B," and then they leave and they grab their iPhone out of their pocket and use it. Like they're they don't use the phones <laughs> anymore. Here's uh here's the uh, something about a weenie. Where's the weenie? I don't remember what that was about. What was that about? Say, do it again. Do it again. Where's the weenie? Where's the weenie? Where's the, the weenie? Um, he's talking oh. about the news Article. story. Needs to have a uh, needs to have a weenie. Needs to have a 
something the, to eat. A death. So yeah. It needs to have like a, a positive spin or like, you know, the. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't understand why have, it's a weenie. I don't know. Well, it didn't have to have a positive spin. It had at least we have a, a, a win. Like, I think we had to have a win in it. We're right. either. Uh, so, winnie. Okay. Uh, weenie, maybe. I don't know. So. Well, you know, because uh, Stars and Stripes, at the end of the day, I mean, like it or not, Stars and Stripes is kind of state propaganda when it comes to wars. Like, they're not there to give mm-hmm. you the actual what's happening. Right. They're there to say, and the Americans have broken through the Tet Offensive. And, you know, they're supposed to make it seem like we're winning all the time and i guess that's what he was asking for but why they call it the weenie i don't know i don't know i like randy's gotta, idea he was looking for, the weenie out there. he was looking for something to eat yeah no seriously that's that's what it might be yes yeah, it's, it's this, very is a metaphor. Yeah. this is a metaphor about i i want something tasty but in, this was in my news at the end of the baseball game you what? get the weenie where's the weenie <laughs> when this vietnam shouldn't have been spam or when, when was that big what war was that spam, spam has never left big, us right? it's always been big i don't know didn't, wouldn't, didn't didn't we just see something where somebody made? Oh, I was watching Mash. They made a they made a stuffed lamb because someone uh, radar uh, helped the live lamb escape, and the Greeks were going to make a special oh, dinner for saving their soldiers. So uh, they made a spam lamb, and it was just the most <laughs> disgusting thing you've ever seen. And Henry Blake Whoa, ate a lot of it. Spam lamb. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's uh, uh, this is the guy who's on Faulty Towers. I just captured his stuff. There you go. Green, what is that button on your body armor? A peace symbol, sir. Where'd you get it? I don't remember, sir. What is that you've got written on your helmet? Born to kill, sir. You write born to kill on your helmet and you wear a peace button. What's that supposed to be? Some kind of sick joke? You know how to make a Baldorf salad? Okay. (laughs) Okay, now I get it. Now I get it. He's trying to do an American accent, and this is the best he can do. He's, I get it. Now. He's an American guy, though. I think. No way. There's no way. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah, at least in Faulty Towers, he was he American accent. Yeah, too. but I think he's like when he trying to pull him Faulty. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's a American guy. He just has a weird cadence to him. I'm not sure, but we could look him up. Uh, how about this one? It, now that I'm hearing him, I think it was a different guy with the Waldorf salad, wasn't it? Nope, totally him. He's just the guy who's like, "What are you trying to pull, Faulty? Uh, this isn't working, and that's not working." Oh, he was that too. It was the entire episode was about him and his wife, and and part of the sub story was that Basil could not make a Waldorf salad, and okay. and he pretended like the chef was still there even though he was gone. Oh right, and he's right, in the back right. yelling. Okay. It's yep. a great episode of that show. Whatever yes. that entire series is, the greatest thing in the history of ever. Uh, here's a g- guy, let's see, what's this? Oh, here's the thing. You better get your head and your ass wired together, or I will take a giant shit on you. There you go, that's the thing to say. I mean, you could swap those lines out for the Faulty Tower episode, and it would still work. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I found a YouTube of them. <laughs> this scared me, by the way. This happened, and it scared me, right in the middle of the movie, because it was real quiet, and then this happened. I went everybody's head about the bird. <laughs> it just comes out of nowhere, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, yeah. It scared me, because I had headphones on, and it was up kind of loud and they just finished blowing up that building and then all this silence and then I think Cowboy starts <laughs> smiling and then hey, bird, bird, bird. I went everybody's head. He's like, dude, okay, Kubrick, turn it down, dude. <laughs> all right. My least favorite effect or least favorite effect in the film was this. That's I hated that. That's when uh, guys are getting shot by the sniper and it's slow motion. That's when Cowboy got right? hit, yeah. It's just yeah. stupid. Stupid. We got only sound did a- that lasts as long as the slow mo. And they what go, we do? Oh. Echo. Yeah. It was so gimmicky for the for a movie that doesn't rely on gimmicks. Like 
Yeah. It's just yeah. felt out of place. I don't know why he put that in there. For a perfectionist, he didn't get that perfect. You should watch Pitch Perfect. Uh, let's see. <laughs> What's something about a booby trap? Booby trap. Oh, I just like I just like the term booby trap. Booby trap. It's fun to hear. I like cowboy. Booby trap. Booby trap. Don't go in there. Booby trap. Admit it. You would have picked up the bunny too, wouldn't you? Right. Yeah, I would have. Yeah, oh, we all totally. would have picked up the bunny. Yeah, it was a good booby trap. Like, well, you had bunny. I, oh. Yeah. I mean, as soon as I saw the bunny, I wanted to pick it up. Like I felt <laughs> this urge to pick up the bunny. Yeah. And then there's a Nicholas Cage in the background telling you, put the bunny down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's a weird scream. So there's that. Show me your war scream. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it. And this is the, uh, so this seems unrelated, but I pulled a line from the greatest Batman quote of all time, and I'm using it here just for no reason. Total non sequitur. Is it the best bat line, uh, Batman line ever spoken? Here you go. Joker, shut the f*** up. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I did think that every time I hear him say, call him Joker, I'm like, I can't, I can't disconnect that from <laughs> right. Batman Joker. I just love the so idea of Batman. jacket had had private joker platoon had private green goblin oh my oh, gosh what dc and marvel getting represented <laughs> well that's the end of your clips everybody and that leads us to this time for the film sack checklist uh first thing you do is mouth to mouth check okay, that really bugged me by the way <laughs> Dude, somebody Every would get time. hit by a grenade or a bullet yeah. and the medic would run up and just start blowing in his mouth nothing else wouldn't stench bleeding wouldn't do any other things just immediately mouth to mouth he's a shitty medic I'm just putting it. Out I'm there. not sure. I, I'm not. I know. I do take first aid every year uh, as part of uh, where I work at. And that is not how you would do it now. But I don't I'm not sure what uh, first response was. In, well, it should Vietnam. be. There's a bullet hole. Stop it from bleeding. I that makes sense now. But I don't know. I don't know. I'll bet you money. We'll hear from somebody. All, There's all no I way this I, is accurate. I really I really can't stand watching any CPR being done in a movie or TV show because they can't do the full <laughs> chest compressions because you kill somebody. But uh, they, they, they do that half-hearted little, I just really not even see it. Just, yeah. just close in close onto the, to the person, you know, doing the CPR and then close into the actor. Don't show me a wide shot of them doing the CPR. It doesn't well, work. And I feel like if you've, if you've been shot, if you've got a bullet in you, probably the, it's probably not a good idea to squish yeah. their chest up and down and move that. No. Right. Right. The Plus the guy, not, if they're not, bre- if they're not breathing and their heart's not pumping. Yeah. But if, if, if they are alive and you're just, you're just pushing blood out. Of the yeah, hole. yeah, exactly. And there are two, the two cases that I'm referring to where they got the close up with him doing that. These yeah. guys were still breathing and grunting and making yeah. sounds. They weren't having trouble breathing. You don't go right to the face and go, <sighs> oh, I can already breathe. It's a bullet hole in my gut. That, that's the problem. <sighs> right. It's like, oh, I can feel, I can feel the air blowing out uh, I've been my waiting. arm as I. <laughs> I've, I've been, I've been waiting for this moment since we started. Yeah. Oh, by the way, finally, the idea finally of, a chance for me to peppercorn you. The way the <laughs> <laughs> peppercorn is that a thing? Is that a phrase? Yeah. Uh, you didn't watch uh, the Sandlot? No. Yeah, a bunch of times. Yeah, isn't that isn't that her name, Peppercorn? Oh, and she, that's uh, getting he, it's uh, Peppercorn, the yeah. the 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 lifeguard girl. Yeah, he right. pretends to be uh, out so he can get some free uh, kisses yeah. via CPR. You're yeah. right. You're right. He's the right. bull. By the way, that kid's the bully on uh, Freaks and Geeks. Anyway, oh, yeah. uh, too many toilets. Check. That's absolutely true. And finally, here here at Film Sack, we love you a long time. Check. 
Hey, uh, Star <laughs> Trek connections. We only have one. Andy Nelson. He was a dubbing mixer in this movie, and he uh, did the re-recording mixer job, whatever that is, on Star Trek Into Darkness. So still working in film these many yeah, years this, later. You know, this movie was made in England, and uh, Star Trek uh, made in California. Yeah, huh. that's true. It still surprises me that um, that Matthew Modine never did a Star Trek thing, or uh, yes, Adam Baldwin, Adam Baldwin, or uh, D'Onofrio. Yeah, he would have been. Can good. you imagine Arlie Ermey in Starfleet Academy? That'd be great. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> wow, that's a great idea. Sign me up. When I did, know. Did, <laughs> he's died. He died less than I a year ago, right? To- I refuse to watch the new Star Trek series because they want money for it. Yeah, when when I'm, did he I'm die? Hold on a this, second. This he, is ridiculous. Yeah. He died, yeah, this year, uh, age 74 in April. So just this April he passed away. Mm-hmm. Lee Ermey, that, uh, that, that funny yeah. dude. He always seemed the same age to me. So He yeah, did, yeah. and he apparently liked comedy a lot more than drama, and so he did that whole mail call thing, that, uh, that little 30-minute show where he'd take letters and... Oh, the History Channel thing that he did? History yeah. Channel thing, yeah. Yeah, he's got a bunch of stuff he did. He's just so well-known for this. Like, he was mm-hmm. in Seven. He was in Mississippi Burning. Like, these are big movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on The Simpsons a couple of times, did some voice work for uh, Toy Story 1, 2, and 3. Mm-hmm. He was the little Green Army Man guy in, right. uh, in that. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, he did all sorts of work. He was in Scrubs once. X-Men. X-Men Last Stand? Who was he? He was in Scrubs once. Yeah. It says here he was Sergeant, whoever that is. The voice of Sergeant. Oh. uh, Oh, voice of Sergeant? X-Men Last Stand? I mean, there's that whole scene where... um, uh, Is it a dream sequence? No, they're like um, Mystique and a bunch of other X-Men are in some sort of military Mm. prison, or she changes to get him out. Mm. Changes to get them out, and... uh, I don't remember that. I've kind of blocked that movie ah. a little bit. Yeah, probably. Oh, he's from Kansas. He's perfect. That guy's just made for what he ended up being in his life. Oh, totally. Totally. It's pretty great. Um, anyway, Star Trek great. I'm going to give it a W for weird, and that's fine with me. It worked out fine. I like the... Yeah, the I don't mean the, the songs. Soundtrack, it would have been a different movie with like a bunch of scoring. Right. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I like the quiet, weird, discordant tones. Like, that's sort of my gig anyway. I like that For stuff. Sure. And it didn't sound all electronic like 87 did everywhere else. Like, this movie holds up in that way. It doesn't look like something that was made that long ago. It looks like it may have come out just a couple of years ago. These actors weren't so recognizable and older now. You you could fool somebody into thinking this was just made recently. Except maybe for that gun effect. That was dumb. Mm-hmm. That seemed like the 70s. And he did some zooms and things I didn't like. But, again, product of his time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else here? Oh, Twitter post. This is where you guys sum it up in 280 characters or less. Let's start with Randy. Way shorter than that. Full metal jacket. So much screaming and fighting and body fluids. Just like a Saturday night at Epitaph. Yeah! <laughs> I love it! Zing! Boom! Perfect. Uh, Brian... Randy, you love you a long time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Dunaway. Before I do my Twitter post, I'd like to say is Wendy Peppercorn, not Peppercorn, so don't email me. All right, Full Metal Jacket. More like Full Metal Jackasses. Now choke yourself. Hashtag Jelly Donut. You, wow. Now choke yourself. Move to my hand. That, that was awkward. Right. I, didn't, I didn't follow any of that. Such an odd. 
right on thing. request. Also, I don't Wrong. think can, don't choke yourself. Move over forward so I could choke you. Can you also don't move my hand? Can you hollow of your hand punch a soldier in the army now and not? No, now. and not no. then either. That was another bit bit in the apocrypha that even then a uh, drill instructor would never uh, strike a recruit. Yeah, that seemed like that was maybe against regulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, Brian Ibbett. Can't believe no references to Mary Jane Rottencrotch. Mm. Full Metal Jacket, a movie that will make you want to meet interesting and stimulating people of an ancient culture and offer them a jelly donut. Nice. Mm -hmm. He'll let let you come to his house and meet his sister, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) What do you give me for trade? (laughs) That's such a weird out-of-nowhere line. Yep. I, I really want a jelly donut, and I want you guys to pay for it with push-ups. I just, okay. that would satisfy me. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do it. Oh, look at this. Alternate titles. I'm kind of proud of one of these. Anyway, here is what the movie was almost called. Full Buddy Hackett. Ah. <laughs> or, that's not the one I'm proud of. <laughs> or... <laughs> Or, here's my favorite one, Full Film Sacket. <laughs> ah, that's pretty good. You're in an army, 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 army. By the way, my favorite my favorite derivative of, of that has got to be the Phil Hartman uh, impression skit they did on Saturday Night Live yeah. uh, when they did the... Uh, <laughs> The drill sergeant who were, was giving names but was not good at it, so he just like <laughs> like hairhead. Yeah, that's your new name, hairhead. That was <laughs> yeah, he was, was good. good. Oh right, yes. He's yeah. also he really come up with anything funny. Yeah, he's good yeah. in that Sergeant Bilko movie too, as the general in that. Sergeant Bilko is a better movie than any of you think it is, by the way, and oh, I mean man, listeners I as well. That movie's awesome. Uh, John Bates wrote in to our email address at filmsack.gmail.com, and he says this, Hi, guys. I'm currently on my sixth trip through FilmSack's catalog. Wow. Uh, he says, oh, though I cow. skipped the Highlander episode, why you couldn't why? sack Highlander 2, the seconding, rather than the only good one is beyond me. Then he says, and I also skipped the Big Trouble on Little China episode because they are way too important to my youth, and it remains my most <laughs> beloved podcast. So he doesn't want to be tainted on the show. Oh, that's interesting. Funny. Yeah. I would love to to have like a survey where listeners went through and named those episodes they skipped because they love the movie too much. I'll bet you it's a lot of movies. I'll but also yeah. bet you the ones you're skipping that we end up liking them. Like I, my memory is we liked yeah. Big Trouble in Little China a lot. We loved it, and also yeah. Highlander is is awesome. And we we don't just sack we stuff do we hate. Sequel? Yeah, because there can be only only one. Right. Ah. Yeah, that's true. So that means that somebody somewhere's favorite movie is Full Metal Jacket, and they think because we're sacking it, we're ripping it apart. We're not. We, this is a great movie. But, and, <laughs> and also, I I have spoken to people like I feel like I kind of lost the bulk of a friendship over uh, was it Adam's Family? Yeah, Adam's Family. I can never oh, remember yeah. whether it was Adam's Family or the Monsters. I'm sorry, they're too that similar. Is- uh, that's much beloved like, mm-hmm. i have i you know i had i had words with friends after clue and after uh, uh lady hawk and it's like i don't think i don't think it's like we're like hurting anybody we're not we don't set out to hurt someone like personally or like to make you feel bad because you love a movie no never mm-hmm. yeah never uh, I, with maybe the possible exception i mean we created a real stink <laughs> around that Red hot American summer thing. Well, I, I don't summer, think. Yeah. Right. I don't think. I don't think is necessarily something. A product. What we do is just a product of being human, and that's associating movies with your childhood and giving it value. And when somebody poo poos on that, is it's like insulting. 
you. Yeah, so we, I don't... We, hold, we hold movies dearly because we're all movie lovers. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a movie lover. We're movie lovers too, and it's okay. I don't hate Randy for not liking um, Time Bandits, and I don't hate Dunaway for liking terrible things that he likes. Ah. We're, not, we're not liking Minority Report. Yeah, exactly. That was kinda, the biggest controversy ever on the show, and, and we're all friends. So I kind of want to watch Time Bandits again now. What, well, I so wonder good. if it was my frame of mind or something. Well, it was your first viewing, and you said you just didn't get why this was important to anybody. And I, and I, I fully admit the reason that that thing resonates with me probably yeah. is because it was such a big youth movie for me. Yeah, 13-year-old watching that uh, at that time. Oh, it was it. phenomenal. It almost felt like something you shouldn't be watching. So therefore, it has a little bit of value of being there when you're growing up. Yeah, so that part and of your... Greece were, were movies that I yeah. made my dad take me to the theater multiple times yeah. to see. Yeah. Oh wow! Greece. Oh my god, I'm worried about our son, honey. That is so. I know he keeps like, wanting to watch like Greece and Time like, Bandits. <laughs> like the third Weird. time for Greece. <laughs> one of and I'm one pretty of those sure movies... they say <laughs> one of those movies is a bit rapey. Which one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which one? Time Bandits isn't rapey. Well, it must be Grease. No. Oh, it must be Grease, yeah. Grease is, yeah, very much like that. And, oh, man, I mean, the, I watched that thing on TV so many times, regular TV, and there's that one scene where, they, where he talks about his car and he calls it a real, you know. Oh, yeah. Pee wagon. Pee wagon. Right. Like a pee wagon. And you, you, can't, you can't say that word on a podcast. And, but, it, 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 but it's I mighty cold. It, yeah. Yeah. It just it just it just passes so so quickly and passes by in such an innocent way that you don't really think much about it. You no, just no. keep on cruising. Pretty rapey though. Uh yeah, all right. What sorry, he goes on to say uh this. He has a couple of notes for us. He says first of all, Brian Dunaway is my film sack spirit animal, fellow South Carolinian. Oh, we both worked at Blockbuster and like him, I enjoy movies yeah. mostly for the entertainment value, and I can be highly entertained even by a bad movie. Secondly, Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man is currently on Amazon yeah. Prime, oh. as is Sneakers. Uh, it says the former is a great cast and marvelously crappy movie. Uh, and you know Sneakers, of course, which is not crappy. It's a great movie, but I would still did it. We did do Sneakers, yeah. Yeah, we, we snacked it. We snacked it. Did we snack <laughs> it? Mm, tasty. Did we do Sneakers? We sneakers. <laughs> I know I watched I it, thought we, but I don't remember. I we, thought definitely. We, sacked, we definitely sacked Sneakers. Okay. I thought we did like way early on, though, right? That was like one no, of our... No, that was earlier. like a year ago or something. I'll tell you when it was. I have it right here. Hold on, sneakers. Yeah, because I remember uh, we didn't do sneakers. Uh, you guys are up in the night. Really? No sneakers. What? Maybe I'm getting that confused with hackers. With, uh, you hackers think, with uh, hackers? Angelina Jolie. Sydney Poitier. Uh, no, you're thinking Poitier. of the right movie, Brian. With uh, 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 what's his name played mother. Um, yeah, uh, I, well, I'm going to yeah. take it back. I'm going to say that we do need to sack sneakers. Maybe we've talked about it because we did do hackers. Yeah, we've never done sneakers. And, uh, well, what's maybe the one? What's the one we watched? We watched it recently. Oh, maybe I did watch Sneakers recently for something else. Yeah, you, I, I did. did. It what? It must have been Who for have been watching movies with. No, Sneakers wow. is wow. Sneakers was my other now. my other movie podcast. Yeah. <laughs> what? Film, film snack. Yeah. <laughs> you guys sounded so certain. I was just ready to take I, your word for it. But I we have feel not it. Done it. I. I absolutely I, totally felt like I thought I remember watching. I mean, I did watch Sneakers just recently. Yeah. And I could have sworn it was like we talked about it with you guys. Weird. No. Okay. It's a great movie. It comes up now and again because we like how they treated technology in that movie. They didn't give us a bunch of zoom and enhance bullshit for the time it came out. Was the love interest in that movie uh, uh, President? Uh, yeah. BSG Battle President. Galactica? Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Totally. She's, uh, what, she's not, what was she on Dances with Wolves? What was it? Dan, John yes. Dunbar. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
any like, chance anyway has to say. That, I have to. <laughs> I know. I love it's it. Kinda like, it's kind of like it's like when you see when you see uh when you see the uh, the oh when you see Days of Thunder, you can't help but just say, "Let me add the car coal." <laughs> I you just you just have to. It's just like <laughs> yeah. No, I'm with you. That's crazy. I wow. All right. Mandela effect. I could have sworn we watched it recently. Big time. I did too. Big time. I, I kind of had a feeling too because I have seen it recently, but that movie's great. Anyway, yeah. uh, he then goes on to say it would also be completely willing to buy and ship Streets of Fire if you guys want to sack that one. I don't know what Streets oh, of Fire is. Streets of yes. Fire. What is what Streets is of Fire? That's the movie that gave us uh, <laughs> Make Me Feel Crazy, Make Me Feel So Mean. Wow, I'm sorry. What's the movie again? <laughs> <I've never laughs> heard. Like a dream. Fire. Yeah, the dark side by uh, Diane oh, Lane. I have, no, I have no knowledge of this I, movie. Yeah, total, total. So, wow. like, me, me too. Eighty-four. Rick, yeah, Rick Moranis, William Dafoe, Michael Perry, Diane Lane, uh, Richard really? Richard Dawson. Wow. Oh, it's not that. Okay, Richard I remember Dawson. Michael Perre, but I don't remember any of these other people. Bill Rick Paxton. Moranis is in Streets of Fire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bill Billy Fish. Bill Paxton's Billy Fish. in it. Who else? Robert Townsend, dude, this is a star-filled. I yeah, wow, is. okay. It looks like shit, though. This passed right by my radar. So I'm uh, thinking of the right movie, right? With that song, "Rock and Roll." I, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. I have no uh, idea. I've never heard of this movie. I'm just shocked that Micheletti Williamson and Ed Begley Jr. are in it. Oh my how gosh! Could, how could two people be more different from each other? Here's the trailer. Oh, soundtrack. A different movie. Let me play the, the soundtrack. Trailer. Is... I'll be coming for her. Let's see. And I'll be coming for you too. Sure you will, oh. and I'll be waiting. Dude, Willem Dafoe looks like he's 15. That's weird. Yeah, because he was. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. Put it on the list. All right, Jeez. I am thinking of a different. Well, hold on. What movie am I thinking of with that John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown band? <laughs> I don't know. It was a song. Oh, wow. Eddie and the Cruisers. Eddie and the Cruisers oh, was the Eddie one that the gave Cruisers. us. Uh, yeah, I've seen that. Side. Okay. I've seen that. Yeah. Well, there you go. I can, I can Came out around them. the same time, and I swear I would have. I would have made them both the same movie we've solved the mystery that's what we've yeah. done i love we their all, cover we feel better about that. Yeah. this apparently must have some kind of bit of a cult following so I w- i'd be interested in seeing this yeah movie. all right well get, get with me uh, uh uh john and maybe we'll get a copy from you his final point or his final comment was i mostly just wanted to say thanks for the lighthearted relief you guys bring each week well thank you very much john Aww. we're happy to thank bring you. it that's what we yeah. do speaking of bringing it our next movie was shipped bring to us all. forever ago Suburban Commando is finally getting sacked. Suburban Commando with your um, hey, brother. I'm gonna tend your Docker kids. Zone. Yep. Uh, let's see. We got, right? Please make sure and let us know as soon as possible if Suburban Commando is your favorite film of all time. Yeah. Now Christopher here's... Lloyd's in this. We got a Hulk Hogan as lead actor. There's some uh apparently there's some aliens involved in yeah. I mean like outer space aliens. Yeah, I want to. I want to thank. I want to thank mm. uh, uh, Jack Fox who sent these to us forever ago. We are finally going to yeah. watch it. It's not streaming anywhere that I'm aware of, but it might be worth your buck ninety nine if you want to go rent it. Somebody we got in uh, Film Sack actually received the family double pack uh, packaged right. with uh, Suburban Commando and Mister Nanny. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't sure which one we were supposed to watch. Right. <laughs> that's been that's been the holdup exactly. I'm watching both. Well, of course you are, but I'm not. Good luck with that. Yeah, I'm not doing that unless we're commanded to. But Suburban <laughs> Commando is absolutely happening. Then we got Swordfish after that. Finally, Swordfish stays Finally. long enough for us to watch it. Um, and then beyond that, who knows? Lots of other cool things coming up. 
Uh, so check I am that going out. to do everything I can to watch and talk about Suburban Commando without nah. talking about Balea versus Gawker because, oh my God! Yeah. Okay, I'm done. That was a fun. Yeah. That was a fun yeah. po- point in our time. Uh, so we'll get to that Suburban Commando next week. That's right here on FilmSack. FilmSack.com is our website. You can leave us voicemails uh, and emails and all that kind of stuff at the site, or you can email us FilmSack at gmail.com. Or uh, you can do one better than that. You can follow us on Twitter at FilmSack. Leave us reviews wherever you get your podcasts. We still post every episode up to the blog now. So if you go to FilmSack.com, you can leave your comments, hang out in there, chat, whatever you want to do. Give us your direct feedback there or send us your emails. That'd be great. That's going to do it for us, for me, for Brian, for Brian, and for Randy. Sir, yes, sir. We'll see you next time. Huh? Huh? Mary Jane Rotten Crotch. <laughs> <laughs> This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. Go ahead. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business. Removing friction and frustration for your employees. Supercharging productivity for your developers. Providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.